Welcome back to the 430 Movie. We got our expert programmers here to curate fantasy theme weeks of classic films. And from 1998, film directed by Steven Soderbergh called Out of Sight. Yes. Soderbergh directs it with such a sort of confident, self-assured style. Lex Luthor in Superman. What is it about Gene Hackman that... Uh, His performance, it's off the charts, but still in reality. Fiendishly gifted. 1981, Sam Raimi Opus, The Evil Dead. Oh, yes, fine choice. Sam Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have. Charade. Oh, Directed by Stanley Donnan. It's a textbook screenplay. It's just effortless, and there's not a wrong note in this movie. Can't say enough great things about it. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode of the 430 Movie, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us now for the 430 Movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. If you felt a great disturbance in the Force, you're not wrong. My new book, Secrets of the Force, is now available in hardcover, digital, and audio from St. Martin's Press. And check out my other great oral histories with Ed Gross of Star Trek, The 50-Year Mission. So say we all, the complete oral history of Battlestar Galactica. And nobody does it better, the complete oral history of James Bond and Spymania. All available in hardcover, paperback, digital, and audio wherever you buy your books. If you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, you're going to love Trexpert's Briefing Room, a new series. Trexpert's Briefing Room? What is that? I was about to explain, then you interrupted me. I'm sorry. It's curated audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes from the original series all the way through Enterprise. You're going to love it as we explore the behind the scenes making of all these wonderful Star Trek episodes with cast and crew that you would never expect to hear doing audio commentaries on Star Trek. Sounds like fun. It will be. And you can find it on the Inglorious Trexperts podcast feed and on the new Trexperts Briefing podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go see what's out there. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. The word, sir? The word is no. I am therefore going anyway. You do this, you'll never sit in the captain's chair again. Engage all the systems. They're all moorings. Cleared, sir. One quarter impulse power. Someone is stealing the Enterprise. Warp speed. Bring Alberta Bracer. She's arming torpedoes. Shields up. The shield's not responsive. Fuck! We're a sitting duck. Join us on this, the final voyage of the Starship Enterprise. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. The adventure continues. This is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And an entirely different podcast, the Trexperts Briefing Room. It's a very special crossover. It's like when Steve Austin and and uh, Jamie Summers would do a crossover between Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman. Except this time, it's Inglorious Trexperts and an entirely different podcast, Trexperts Briefing Room. So we're going to bring you something you've been asking for for a long time. You've because apparently, apparently some of you are vexed. 
Some of you are mystified. Some of you are downright angry that we don't like Star Trek three as much as you do. And the reality is you'll discover today is you can like a movie and still think it's terrible. Okay. So we're going to share with you that we now, can respect thing, it and disagree with it at the same time. Exactly. Just like and we brought down two of the great experts who, who share the pain and delight that we all get from Star Trek three. And of course I'm talking about uh, straight from the Burnett work, uh, the Rancator first class, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. It's great and to be here. Thank you. <laughs> we have the showrunner of the recently debuted season two of Dota Dragon's Blood, Mr. Ashley Edward Miller. Hola. No, no, no. He's in Dota, space Dota, Dota. Dota. Oh, yeah, Dota. Not Ola. <laughs> Ola is a totally different show. It's like sort of like a totally different podcast, only different. You could say that we're here on Omicron SETI 3. Dun, dun, dun. You, you could say that. You could I say mean, that. This, this been, is uh, Omicron SETI 3. This has been a crazy couple of weeks um, here in the uh, here in the world that is Earth as we, we um, deal with the latest repercussions of the pandemic. But uh, we wanted to bring a little joy into the world. Uh, so we decided it was time to commit our thoughts on Star Trek Three to uh, for posterity, to this and our crew and <laughs> future voyages. So, um, but you know the thing about Star Trek Three that's so interesting. Every time we've talked about Star Trek Three on the show, it's always evoked a passionate response, and uh, it's interesting because Star Trek Three is not a movie that looms large in the can in the way. Star Trek Two does the way even a Star Trek the motion picture does. Why, why, why do you think that there's such a uh, such a an outrage or such a strong reaction, uh, both pro and con, to uh, the pro passion that people have for Star Trek Three? Different con. <laughs> um, I think I know what it is. Uh, it is the quintessential fan service movie because it brings Spock back. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, we don't just search for him. We find him. The find uh, of Spock. The find, the finding of Spock. The, uh, the picking up of Spock. Um, it's, uh, it's everything that the fans want. It's, uh, it's the crew back together. It's we're on the Enterprise. We have Klingons. We have, uh, moderate action. We have, uh, uh, hmm. you know, going back to, uh, get our lost friend and, you know, on that basis, it's very fulfilling. Sure, it's uh, it's satisfying in that way. Until you start to think about it more, and hopefully, we'll help you uh, learn those thought patterns tonight. I also think it looks like a Roger Corman version of a Star Trek movie. Oh, it looks terrible. That it it and and uh, God bless and rest his soul, Leonard Nimoy. But it, it was like when Simon Kinberg directed. X-Men Dark Phoenix, <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you can't just jump in uh, and make a franchise, the third in a franchise movie, following up one of the most expensive movies ever made with one of the most rousing adventures ever made. Um, that's, that's a tough act to follow. And Leonard, for all of his great talent and uh, affection and, and abilities, I think he was simply out of his depth. And this film really suffers because it's definitely the first time film from a director. 
it didn't matter who would direct, who was directing it, but I, uh, you know, uh, once you have an actor directing something, I mean, he should have done a few episodes of TV of Star Trek, like well, Jonathan Frakes he, did. Before he had, he, stepped he up. had done TV. He had done uh, a couple. TJ uh, Hooker. TJ Hooker. I mean, of Star Trek. Of yeah, like, but the, there was like, no know, TV Star Trek. Uh, of course, he didn't really have that opportunity. But look, of course. But it it, it well, suffers from it suffers from that the first time director thing of wanting to be in control of everything mm-hmm. and uh, not having the confidence to let your uh, department heads take care of things yes. and pre- and present stuff to you rather than giving telling them what to do and apparently that is what happened on this um uh, every every uh, every uh, story i hear about leonard dealing with ilm uh had him uh you know micromanaging the design of the props and everything and and concentrating on these little bits of things and apparently didn't have the whole picture in his mind um, and I think it shows when you watch the film. Not it's, to put too fine a point on it, but <laughs> I, I, I think um, it, based on things that we have learned on this very podcast, the original podcast, not the totally different podcast, right. um, that had he been supported, I think, by a producer who better understood um, how, to, uh, how to help him along, Say, for example, Bob Salen, um, I think that that perhaps it, it might have rescued Leonard from that. Um, I and, don't know. I him. think there was a certain arrogance that Leonard had, especially in that that time where you know he thought, I know everything about Star Trek and this is my chance to do that. Now, I agree that having somebody like Bob Salen would have been helpful because the network, the network, the studio, yeah. um, the studio. I do feel that, you know, to a certain extent, felt they were blackmailed into doing this. If you want me back, you have to let me direct. Mm -hmm. And so they made it very difficult for him. They kept it under the TV division. They kept the budget very low and they kept him on a very short lease. It's why he famously said, you know, with Star Trek four, the training wheels are off. Right. Um, But uh, and that was finally under the feature film division. And he had a, you know, I I don't think it helped that he had Charlie Carell as his DP you know, who at, at that point was like 98 years old, not literally, but he was, you know, um, he was, you know, a relic of the old studio system. And so he wasn't going to bring anything new to the party. And, you know, we'll talk about this, but nobody talked him out of shooting on the soundstage. Oh, you know, on going, you know, the original plan had been to go to Hawaii and shoot yeah. the Genesis planet, but which would have made all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and uh, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about all that. But I, I do want to point out this is a going to be a two part podcast. We're going to do the first half of the movie on Inglorious Trexperts. Then we're going to we're going to do it to be continued. And part two will continue on Trexperts Briefing Room, an entirely different podcast available wherever you uh, listen to Inglorious Trexperts. So if you haven't discovered the wonders and the joys of uh, a Trexperts Briefing Room yet, um, this will be your chance uh, to to uh, to to jump on board the Trexperts briefing room bandwagon, where um, Peter and Lisa have been doing some amazing work uh, with some great deep dives into episodes of all the different Star Trek series, and Darren and I drop by occasionally to talk about the original Star Trek, and if we you're talk lucky, about the old ones, the ones that made us. <laughs> that made us. <laughs> and uh, Ashley's, you know, drop by talk about Deep Space Nine and. We've done a little next gen and Rob's been threatening to come by to talk about the immunity syndrome going on a year now. 
So hopefully uh, that's going to happen as well. I'll be so, there. I'll be there. I, be I, there. I, I've been there. I'll be there. So, um, so, so, so it'll be fun. But this is this is the big one, 007. And you know, I, just to answer the question I asked at the very beginning, I think it has a lot to do with nostalgia for people. And I see that a lot with uh, these people who um, put A View to a Kill as their favorite James Bond movie. What the? Is, who does know, that? A lot of people. And it just today, uh, a good friend, Jonathan Wilkins from Star Trek Explorer magazine, did his Bond list and he put A View to a Kill at the top of the list. And uh, I think it's because these people, you know, that was their first Bond movie. So yeah. it's, it holds a very special place in heart. I think the same thing with Star Trek 3. I think it was their first Star Trek movie. And it was their gateway drug, you know, and so they 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 they, they confuse nostalgia with um, quality. Yep. <laughs> but, For lack of a better word. But I, I yeah, I, I think you might be right about that. But one thing that's apparent is when I ever go back and watch this movie, it does not grow on me. You know, I don't look back at this movie and feel nostalgic towards it because it was a disappointment in the theater, and it's a disappointment now. Although I will say. ILM has done some beautiful work in this movie, which also just adds to the schizophrenic nature of how this film looks and feels. Right. Yeah, it's hard to divest, I think, our feelings. You know, we all saw this in a theater. In fact, I went to a press screening as a very young fan. So did I. Fan, Me too. Thank courtesy of Eddie Egan. Me too. And uh, who's now a good friend of ours, thanks to this podcast. And um, uh, I remember, uh, you know, coming on the heels and the excitement of Star Trek II. Remember, just two years later... This is yeah. back when filmmakers could actually turn these things out on a reasonable uh, schedule, and uh, it was it was crushingly disappointing. Yeah, um, you know, it was just it, even as a young kid or early teenager, you knew it looked cheap, and you knew it was contrived to bring Leonard back, and that it was not well directed, and that uh, Jim from Taxi was over the top and histrionic as. Jim, your name is Jim. Okay, so let's, um, you know, and for those of you who are already, um, I think, uh, have steam coming out of yours, thinking, oh, these guys, it's just going to pile on, it's going to be a hate fest. That's not going to be the case, because there's a lot about this movie that we have a lot of great things and a lot of admiration for. You'll see, we know this movie so well, and we've watched it so many freaking times, that... We can't help but enjoy it on a, on a certain gut level, certainly. But along the years, we've learned more and more about what goes into doing projects like this, what goes into uh, great films, and uh, what is lacking. So just go along with us, and you'll see. It'll be okay. Well, and there's that great line at the end of all our yesterdays, wasn't it? As if. You know, and you kind of, you know, and, and Rob can speak to this as we get into it, but um, the original treatment, Return to Genesis, was so much more compelling and yes. so much more interesting. But, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm ta- talking about both sides of my mouth in a, a sense, but um, part of the problem was they were on such a tight schedule. You know, I was just saying, oh, it's great that they do these every two years. But um, that they basically, you know, Harv Bennett wrote the whole script himself because they didn't have a lot of time. And he had the juice, you know, they wouldn't produce a Harv Bennett script on Star Trek Two, forcing him to bring in somebody like Nick Meyer, who can really write. Um, but, um, you know, Star Trek Three, he had enough juice that he could get away. Well, if you want this thing to come out on time and thing, you got to let me write it. And he wrote the, it's the only Star Trek script that he wrote entirely himself. And it's not a great script. So, mm, no. um, 
Anyway, we're going to anyway. talk about that now. And if you want to, to, to a little more detail on this, we've done two shows previously. One, um, the Star Trek movies that weren't, where we talked a little bit about Return to Genesis in our first season, I believe. And then more recently, on our third season, we did a great episode on the Star Trek three, the studio and uh, Gene Roddenberry's notes. Mm-hmm. And um, if you haven't listened to those episodes, I strongly recommend you go back and listen to them because we did a real deep dive into um, the note process and the evolution of the script. So it's worth taking a listen to. All right. So join us now as we travel back to 1984. I believe it was June. And uh, here we go. In three, two, one. Here it comes now, Con. There's the mountain. The familiar mountain. The Gulf and Western mountain. It took a whole mountain to kill Kirk. It took a whole mountain. Now, here, here's one of the things I didn't like about this movie right off the bat. That blah at the beginning? No, I didn't <laughs> the like... The previously on? Previously yeah, on? I, I really didn't like this. I mean, it, it really took away, I think, from the grandeur and spectacle of what a feature film was. I mean, yeah. I understand this was probably studio mandated, but I mean, come on now. Uh, we're watching this play out again, which could have been valuable screen time to tell us something new, show us something interesting. But well, instead, we're well, watching. Well, it's not like they showed us something new or interesting in the rest of the screen time that they. No, we promised we wouldn't do that, didn't we? But I just mean, I, I mean, I understand this, and I like James Horner's score here, and and watching this interesting way they blew up the picture into the final. But it just seemed to me like I. I felt like this dumbs down the movie as if the audience watching this is not smart enough to remember what we're coming back from. Well, the audience they were going for isn't smart enough. They, you know, they were definitely trying to open this up to more than Star Trek fans, obviously. I, I understand. As they always but, have been. But you're showing something. This is not, this is not a new movie. This is another movie. This isn't Star it's Trek. Not, and it's the footage from the movie. It's not even like different angles or different footage and i gotta agree with rob by doing a previously on it makes it feel like television it makes it feel small because that's what this is previously on star trek last yeah. week on star trek spock died yeah yeah, yeah i mean I, I would love to have seen this movie open with an image of the enterprise limping through space which well, was something does. we've never I, but we haven't seen that before but yeah we see it after this but, yeah, but this what is what gonna... captain's logs are for right all you that's need right. to do is show a wrecked Enterprise flying through space. I mean, I know they eventually do that. So open the movie that way because showing our hero, our grand lady, wounded, that's a way to open a movie. Yeah, but I gotta gotta be on the side of uh, Harf Bennett here. You need to, you need to, for the people who haven't seen the previous movie, you gotta set this up. Yeah, but there was on, man. That's like showing the Death Star blow up. Yeah, yeah an Empire, ba- right? Yeah, at the beginning, I mean, of Empire. Give me a break. Yeah. Well, I, Empire I has Empire has an opening crawl. Okay, that's true. This doesn't have an opening crawl. No, but it's, Empire is setting that what's happened since the last movie. It's not re- yeah. regurgitating the last movie. This is literally five minutes of showing us what happened in Star Trek Two, which, according to this, just happened. Well, like right. literally, they're on their way home from Genesis. Yeah. In its defense, about 10 seconds ago, there was a shot, and maybe even here, that is like the best view of the Genesis planet that we get in the entire movie. Because it actually looks like uh, at least some of that stuff was, in fact, shot on location instead of the soundstage. And this is all that Bob Salon footage that yep. he shot for Star Trek II at the last second. 
Yeah. I mean, it's amazing they didn't even go and reshoot this. This is all, you know, stuff that he shot in Golden Gate Park uh, after the test screening when they no. realized, oh. No, go ahead. And here's what would be a drone footage today, but this is. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and, and again, it seems small. You're opening your movie in a Hawaii and Golden Gate Park and in the skies of Earth when. Really, if you showed the Enterprise, began with the Enterprise in space limping and then cut to the grand shots that ILM did of space dock over a something. You know, I want to agree again with Rob because look, look at the previous two movies. Look at the teaser to Star Trek, the motion picture. That is one of the great openings of any Star Trek movie, the whole Klingon attack. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then a Star Trek two also, the, you know, has this amazing opening with the Kobayashi Maru. So these are like classic original series teasers. You know, the really great episodes had great cold teasers where they immediately bring you in. There's nothing about this that's pulling us into the movie. If anything, it's distancing us. It, it, it's saying, you know, it's saying it's not you know breaking the fourth wall and saying this is what happened in the last movie. And now get ready for our new movie. I, I just want to uh, break the thought uh, here right now uh, for a second to talk about the new font that we're looking at. Oh, please. Oh, yes, please. Now we're talking. Because it's terrible. It's terrible. It is terrible. It's kind of a version of the the motion picture from Star Trek The Motion Picture, which is not the regular, you know, uh, chiseled uh, Star Trek font. This is something else, and it's it's a mess. It's really a mess. Well, next week we'll have commentary with Dave Addy talking about the fonts in Star Trek. Can Can I just say one more thing about the font, Darren? Nope. Yeah. The font's too big. It's well, too it's, big. It's, it's too big in the frame. Uh, but yeah, perhaps. You, but again, and produced television. by who gets that? Crap? Television. It's so TV. That's the problem. Hart Ben is a TV producer, and this feels like TV. And you know who else? Gary Nardino was the head of Paramount's TV here's, division. Here's your he first was made shot. the producer. Well, here's, on this. here's the Enterprise. This should have been. This is should have how how the movie should have opened. Well, I I can't wait to see your fan cut. Was repaired. We're all yeah. <laughs> there Never she happened. is. And all messed up. Now, which um, and I wonder is this the restoration? The restoration? What do you the, mean? Uh, the restoration? Do a 4K? I thought they did a 4K version no, of it. It's no, not a we restoration. Can't, we can't watch it's, that on here. It's, okay, I don't know, man. First of all, even this shot, this single, this single shot. No one's on of the bridge. I mean, Kirk it's, looking it, morose. Genesis planet. Which is completely the opposite of where we left him in Star yep. Trek Two. I feel true. young. He felt yeah. young. He doesn't feel young. He doesn't look young. There's nothing going on here. He's he's just uh, uh, you know looking at the yeoman whose uh, uniform's a little tight. And um, it doesn't feel like the same bridge. Part of myself. No, it's and it feels badly. like this is a 50 millimeter lens, perhaps yeah. the most boring lens in the history of cinematography. Because <laughs> yeah. it's the way it's it's how a human being sees in 50 millimeter. So. Very well, Mr. Chekhov. I'll need a preview. And that was a close. Well, that's a that's a longer lens, but <laughs> yeah, of course. Now, now, I mean, the now we battle. move into the close-ups. Yeah. Any response from Starfleet on our project? Genesis? But even these shot choices, these long panning shots, and then these standard it's television coverage. Yeah, it's, it's a telenovela. <laughs> Scotty, progress report. Hola, Mr. Sulu. I don't know who picked out the colors for the uh, chair. And by the way, the when bridge, you cut into engineering. If you're going to establish engineering, you establish let's it. see engineering. Yeah. Come on, you, know, yeah, you they, need a big they, wide. They couldn't. They couldn't run the. They couldn't run the blinky engine lights. So I'll do it for you in two. 
I understand that. But again, that's what adds already. I'm looking at a, a Corman version of a Star Trek movie. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. It is all close ups. It's medium shots. There's nothing interesting about the way this is being shot. You're absolutely right. You, you know, at the beginning of the movie, you, you, you don't uh, you cut to Scotty in a close up. You got to see the establishing of engineering. And it and looks geography. like they, it looks like the Enterprise has been attacked by a spray can. Get in. <laughs> Maybe it was. Now, of course, this, is, this, actor is, this actor is Phil Morris, who is yeah. uh, Greg Morris's son. Greg yeah, Morris, Mission of Impossible. course, played uh, Barney Collier on Mission Impossible. But nobody told him that you don't go up to your captain on the bridge. It's like something out of Discovery and say, hey, they can throw a parade for us. Looks like someone pressed all the buttons for all the floors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they, they pranked Kirk. I also have to say, again, now finally, here's something interesting that happens. Right. Maybe the movie should have begun with this, with this. scene. Yeah. Here's yeah, your cold you're, you're open. absolutely right. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, this is how the movie should have begun. You know, yeah. with, uh, you come in, what is this ship? Who are these What's people? Going on? Questions yeah. we don't know. drive us through the story. And it establishes the stakes and the jeopardy. Yep. Keeps that, that's a great open. little ship uh, our friend Bill George designed and built that one. But again, look at these shots. What the hell is he? Look at this. Oh, you, what, what, you, what are we what? looking at here? I don't right. know. That'll be on the stars. Yeah, and, we, and we have fishing, fishing, fishing nothing to do with the, the interior. Yeah, well, this was in the back of the stage. You open with a female Klingon who we hadn't seen since Day of the Dove. I mean, an upshot. This would have been great. Well done, Chris. Well done. This is how the movie should have opened. Well, yeah, you're 100 percent correct, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yep, you can tell Rob's an editor. He already, yeah. he already, he already made it better. That's right. That's why I seek out Rob's opinion on things. Plus, this <laughs> is already, and this is also better shot than than the stuff on the Enterprise. It's much more interesting. There's this. color. You grab the audience right away. They're it's laughing at the dog. They're, you know, yeah, Reverend kinda. Jim. He's like right there. This guy reminds me of the guy from Phantom Menace. He's just as bad. Remember the guy who's the the, the Padme's yeah. pilot in Phantom right. Menace? Right. Yeah. By the way, you uh. have a, the production design. This film is a little lacking. You have an eight-track tape. That's what is that? Come on, <laughs> no, that's not an eight-track from VHS, VHSC tape. Is that Freedom Rock? Yes. Yeah, man. We'll turn it up. Crank it up. And- See, this is now, cool see, this because is, this is stupid. Because why wouldn't he just beam her aboard the ship and then destroy it? But what's cool about it, Darren, is you just saw, like, this is kind of gets to Rob's whole thing about the teaser, right? You see Kirk, he's talking about Genesis. Like, you don't know, like, what's up. All this is sort of teeing up yeah, like, the absolutely. problem of the movie in, like, kind of an interesting way. I mean, I Well, agree. I'm really angry now that hell's going on? for the very first time, I'm like, this is how the movie should have opened, and I'm mad it doesn't open this way. Time yeah, to recap, right? And I, I love the Flash Gordon outfit on her, too. I think it's great. Yep. You know, it, it, it's it's really like sort of cool costume design. By the way, can I say I hate the pulsing of the engine? Why is it yep. pulsing? Is it about to turn off? Oh. It's, you know, it's, on it's generating a lot of power, and it's got a uh, it's got a pulse sometimes. Uh, you know, they they clearly had no money for this set. You know, it's just a bunch of boxes covered in cargo netting. Ugh. I mean, this is how you open a movie, man. Come on. Yeah. A new Klingon ship, the Bird of Prey, even that was supposed to be a Romulan ship. We'll get to that later, but okay. Now, this also, this bridge is overlit, not smoky enough. It's too bright. Uh, yep. It, but it's better than beige. It's better than beige. Earth tones. Even that guy, look at his face. Feed the puppet. 
I mean, there's where the credits start. Feed the yeah. puppet. Because then you come and out. This of, would be a great opening shot the first time to see the Enterprise. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Look at that nice big wide of it arriving, limping By the home. way, this is one of my favorite visual effects in all of Star Trek history. Me too. It's so I, good they I, used I, it great. exactly in Next Generation. They used so, it in Next Generation twice. I have a story to tell. Um, that's kind of so. This is just to kind of let you know how many times like I've watched this movie, in spite of the fact we're talking about the way we're talking about it. Uh, back in 2011, 2012, um, when the uh, the space shuttle Enterprise was retired, forgive me, I'm old. I forget things. I was at the Javits Center in New York for a uh, a book convention. As the barge dragged the Enterprise by the uh, the viewing area. Mm. And it was just such a fanboy, weird deja vu, right? Of like, oh, that's what it is. It's like, it's the Enterprise. Like, that's what it's like to look out and like see this, like this incredible ship. And I think that's why, like, forget the, you know, the not just the visual effects of it all, but just the emotion of it all. Because I love, like, when you've got the, all oh, those Starfleet personnel and they're stopping and they're just kind of looking and like, they're seeing like, oh, look, it's, it was incredible Enterprise. when they brought the space shuttle. I think it was to the Intrepid in New York yep. for display. Mm. It was extraordinary to see it brought uh, uh, transported. It was so cool. By the way, yeah, it was the I have to interject. We're seeing the Excelsior here. Yeah, and I want to just say to everyone: this ship is not supposed to be badass. Right, you're not supposed to like it. It's the AMC Pacer of starships. Except it's people love to it. Be bloated and over over designed <laughs> and a mess. It. And and it's the first time we've seen another hero Federation starship. I mean, we 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 haven't really seen a new beefy big Federation starship There's in Star Whitney, Trek history. And Grace Lee Whitney. And I mean uh And the Blue Bayou. That's right. And again, this is a great I love this shot. It's world yeah, building, too. it shows you the inside of space dock. You see the weird civilian clothes in this movie that are the. I mean, Darren, we know you hate space dock, but this is cool. Yeah, from exactly. Yeah, it's cool, but you can do the same thing without a big mushroom dock. But again, I think Leonard Nimoy was also afraid of big master shots. There aren't any in this movie. Yeah. Now, which is a huge problem because he's directing TV and not movies. By the way, we see a little Franz Joseph technical manual. Oh, yeah. Franz Joseph's technical manual is all over the place. Yep. Yeah, I wish they had made the Excelsior out of Franz Joseph's technical manual instead of that awful design. The Dreadnought, for example. The Dreadnought, which is awful, too. Well, Well, yeah. Anything would have been better than the Excelsior. I know people love the Excelsior. I think it's just an awfully designed ship. And yet, it's like... Because it existed and it was there, it became ubiquitous in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, because well, they reuse they reuse things and, oh, and smartly so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then for the for generations, they slapped uh, extra impulse engines and secondary like floaties on it, which was what weird. Are, what are those security guys doing? They're just standing there, hunched in front of the and there's tape the on the door. door. Yeah, but we do see this is the first appearance of the Star Trek Three phasers. They redesigned the phasers. The phasers that you can't stand on their uh, handles. Right. And again, what kind of a shot is this? Why not a big, wide open shot of this room? Well, this room is not is very small. Yeah, but you could still put a camera up higher. Yeah. Why was Nimoy afraid of masters? Help me. He doesn't know how to use them. He's a TV, he's a TV actor. Mm. Jim, help me. On Genesis. 
What's I was that, like, Darren? what's going on with the sound? Me. You, Darren. <laughs> Help me. You left me on Genesis. Bones. There's D. Uh, See, but can I just say, can I just say, I do love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do love this scene. I, 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 I think it's great. I think DeForest Kelly's great. Kirk yeah. Shatner's great in this scene. There's a lot of pretty good acting when you look for it. <laughs> Look, for all our bashing of uh, Leonard's uh, directorial uh, prowess, he was good with the actors and getting yep. uh, uh, performances out of them. And by the way, that was a single shot. The camera came around from yeah. D to Shatner. It was nice. Yeah. We're home on Earth. Mount Soleil. Where the hell's that? By the way, not since City on the Edge of Forever did he bug his eyes out like that. Come on. Man. I was going to say, it was very City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. yeah. On his way for inspection. You know, Harlan Ellison. The medic's down here. Get them now. Get them now. <laughs> now that's a that's nice a shot. That's a good shot. <laughs> yeah. You have this is not. Remarkable service. This is lit. This is lit by, uh, by. Receiving Starfleet's. Uh, office lights. More importantly. Okay. I want to, I want to, I uh, want to point out something. I mean, Star Trek. Uh, it always, it never shied away from casting actors of color in superior positions ever. Sure. However, this actor is not the best. Supervise the refit of His performance. I'm afraid that won't be. He he he's not convincing as the as the head of Starfleet. He this is, is no theater There will be no refit. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like uh, yeah, he's like someone that they would cast in a TV series for. You know, the Enterprise day, is 20 years player. old. How how old are the United States aircraft carriers? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> way, <laughs> way older. Let's get rid of the Enterprise. She's 20. And the Enterprise isn't 20 years old. It's at least 40 years old. Yeah, I know. Controversy. But still well within her service life. This is bad. The so. galactic controversy. What does that mean? Yeah, galactic By the way, look at the tall dude with the 80s hair. Check that guy out. Yeah, and on look, the, at the on guy, the right. look at the bald guy with the silver uh, eyes. A quarantine planet and a four. And, and the commander's uniform doesn't fit well. Yeah. It doesn't. Yes, there's going to be a lot say, of nitpicking ILM equips here, themselves yes. admirably. Everyone loves the bird of prey. ILM does a great job in this. And, but uh, I, I think the design of the bird of prey looks like it's a steampunk ship. Star Trek ships are sleek. They don't wear their their like conduits on the outside of their shells. Klingon ships do. I kind of like that the, yeah, the Klingon ships are a little Wait, bit rough and The original Klingon D seven. Come on now. Well, we're not talking about the original D seven. We're talking about like the motion picture D seven, which yeah, has the motion tons pictures, of crap on the outside. Yeah, they got Absolutely. plating, but this has like pipes on the outside. Because it's a smaller it. ship. It's no, a the ship. Bird those pipes was are there for to, scale. It was supposed to be there for. It was, it was supposed to be look. We'll have to agree to disagree. By the way, one of the first great uses of CG in motion picture history right here. It's the first, actually. Yep. I mean, in terms of, yeah, it's not the first because that was Looker. Um, But this is is certainly for replacing a shot that would have been done with models. Absolutely. And the great John Larroquette coming off of his Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, opening narration. Now he's a Klingon. So here... You know, he can talk with his underlings about this secret project, but he had to kill, kill his girlfriend. Valkyrie. Right. You know, why, why, why well, is that? You don't know what was going on with the two of them, honestly. I do love like, this He might have been ready to break up with her, and it was just a pretty good excuse for it. 
But again, all of these, all of these close-ups and medium close-ups, yeah. and it's just share this with no one. Although I do like this. With my lord, <laughs> we are going to this, going to this planet. Even as our emissaries negotiate for peace with the Federation, we will act for the preservation of our race. Pass it on. Seize the See, my problem with this is this is the first time we've seen Klingons really talk since yeah. Day of the Dove. I hate the charisma, too. And, Ooh, and look at that garbage mat on there. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? Come on. The Grissom is a science vessel. It's It's got a science pod. How do you get from the top to the bottom? Uh, you beam. That's not, a bo- that's not part of the hull. That is that is actually all that's all scientific uh uh-huh. machine. Crap. No, oh, that's like crap. that's like the James Webb uh, telescope. Sure. Oh, okay. So it's all sensor arrays and crap yes, like you that's see, exactly you learn that's exact, things on this podcast. That's exactly right. For Starfleet Commander. Now again, now we are we're still on the Enterprise. See, this is just as a Star Trek fan, I'm conditioned to believe that that lower section holds people. T.S. Devon commanding. <laughs> no, the lower section is people. Demarcus. And again, look at this is very theatrical acting. And yeah, I'm totally. just, you know, it's, oh, it's the lovely Robin Curtis. It's our friend Robin who is uh, doing her best at this, being just thrown into the deep end and told to swim. Who decided the pink fabric is now part of the bridge? Yeah, I know. I, it's it's god awful. Celsius. And it's, it's, you know, I think they made those pink just because... Uh, uh, David Marcus's uh, jacket is uh, a sickly green that the Enterprise chairs are. So temperature decreasing. Yeah, yeah wow, that's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible, and it isn't even fitted. I mean, it they, looks like a pencil it, eraser. Honestly, it, it looks like they they went to a discount furniture store and got some coverings for the chairs because guests were coming over. And by the way, this is such Basil exposition dialogue. I oh, mean, it's, it's all exposition. It's, yeah, it's. There's a metallic mass. Two meters long? Gravitational fields were in flux. It must have soft landed. In code to Starfleet. Captain Spock's tube located... And this poor actor doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> Why would they have to tell someone that uh, uh, Spock's uh, torpedo casket was discovered? I mean, Kirk probably said we shot his body out in a torpedo. Yeah. So why? What does it matter? Why not leave him? Let, let him rest in because peace. Because he's not telling Starfleet; he's telling the audience. Yeah, That's why. What I was wondered about this entire scene and this entire setup is, I mean, and I'm sure this got covered somewhere. But if I'm Starfleet, I don't send these assholes to the, to the Genesis planet. Are you kidding? You just took the Mutara Nebula and you turned it into a solar system. <laughs> and this is the response? Like, I don't know, man. Like, and I, and it is really like the most, I mean, look, it's obviously, it's interesting that you find Captain Spock's like photon torpedo tube, but you're kind of getting ahead of the question, right? Because you're yeah. not even thinking that he's alive. It's interesting that it's there, but of course it has to be there someplace on the damn planet because the Enterprise shot it on yeah. the planet. Now, I believe this backing was used in the Towering Inferno. I can't get an answer. Was Can it? I just say that this is one of my favorite things in... in the jumpsuit? Mo- no, in this movie, because 
Shatner, did he look at this costume and say, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I should be wearing in this like, movie? He looks like the tracksuit mafia from Hawkeye. Uh, you know, I, I, and let's look at all of the costumes oh, right God. here. Chekhov. I mean, Uhura, as, oh, come on. Now, again, one of the great tie-ins to the original series that Next Generation later availed itself of in the third yeah. season episode, Sarek. How great is it to see Mark Leonard? We that hadn't seen great. him since, oh, wait, Star Trek, the motion picture where we and did. he is That's great. Right. He's legit great. Mark I love Leonard him in this as movie. Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I love this scene, honestly. <laughs> Again, did they shoot this movie with the same two lenses, though? Yes. Come on. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, so, and look at okay. We have what? What about the blocking in these scenes? And and why are you hanging guns upside down, Jim? Come on. Government. I've seen the genesis. He look. Then you know they're old. Uh, he had a he had a decorator come in and do it for him. Uh, I think that's the isn't that exactly the same configuration as in Star Trek Two? Yeah. Yep. I saw no future. Only I saw no future. Was in death, uh, by the way, can I just say that Mark Leonard show up, showed up to like suddenly like get this party started? Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. He's with his awesome. acting, he asked you to. I, I've always loved Mark Leonard, and and he's so good, even in this. Yes, yes. and it's it's hard to understate the the power of seeing uh, Kirk's apartment for the first time in Star Trek Two. How much that resonated, you know, because. Other than Star Trek, the motion picture, you barely, you've never really been to Earth in the 23rd century yeah. and then actually see Kirk's apartment and then to have it come back in Star Trek 3, it was right. pretty it's cool. Like he got a life. But one of the things I, about this movie is what, what he's wearing really, I think, diminishes the character. I mean, the choices, the design choices in this film, Sarek is fine, yeah. but Kirk's outfit is silly. It's just yeah. silly. And in his civilian garb, I want to see him bespoke. I want to see Kirk wearing, mm -hmm. like, maybe he loves Savile Row suits because they still have them in the 23rd century. Why do they have to? Give, we have to give him, like, a space suit. Rob, Not that is such a great point because, um, you know, I think that Bob Fletcher did such a great job on the first two movies. This movie, and, you know, Walter Koenig's talked about it at length when he had the, the Lord, little Lord Fauntleroy outfit yeah. Uh, yeah. as Chekhov. And then even Michael Eisner was like, what the hell is he wearing in dailies? Get rid of it. Yeah. And yeah. Koenig's like, oh, yeah, I know I hate it, too. And he says, why don't you speak up? And uh, but the, 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 later on, when Shatner has the maroon outfit with the white shirt underneath, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, remember in Free Enterprise? Originally, they wanted to put him in white. And he yeah. said, I look like a marshmallow in that. He knew how he looked good. He looked good. In yeah. Dark. He said, I look good in Armani. That was his quote. <laughs> and uh, I just think that the costumes make this movie look cheap and and uh, are, are really yeah. let it down yeah i have to say this scene i love yeah me too this is a great scene i do I I'm with you i love this scene because there's something going on i love the the music but i want to say mark you asked me to talk about this in the original conception of this scene it happened on vulcan right mm -hmm. they weren't on earth and in the return to genesis script uh the Vulcans were so horrified by the Genesis device, they wanted to secede from the Federation. And um, and this happened on Vulcan. And again, I know it brought the... But this is why I love this scene, right here. It is not here. Well, the galactic stakes in Return to Genesis were so much bigger. There was so much more. You really felt that it was more than just a one line about it's a galactic controversy, that it was splintering the galaxy apart. Yeah. This separate. 
You know, and the Romulans were mining it for dilithium. But I got to say, the reason I love this scene is I think Shatner's great in it and Mark Leonard's great in it. Yeah. 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 And at the end of the the day, it's shot. Well, I mean, we've talked about this. That's neither here nor there. But like what's great about this this scene is the emotion. Well, we've talked about this before. The reason I like it is because I haven't watched it as many times as I've listened to it. Because I, mm. I went into the theater and I recorded this movie. And so I listened to it over and over again. And it works so well in just an audio oh, yeah. uh, matter that uh, I, I think some of that bleeds in on the fact that I haven't watched it as much as I've listened to it. It is a terrifically yeah. acted scene yeah. about two people who are in pain and have no idea what to but do But again, it. these shot choices are so pedestrian. And I don't mean to put Leonard Nimoy down because he was a new director, but my God, it kind of looks like, dare I say it, <coughs> free enterprise. And this makes me crazy because, again... Where did they get the coverage? Where did no, they the get fact the co- that you can see the film grain and the yeah, dirt yeah, on the, yeah, on yeah, the, dirt yeah. on the film. But why did they do that? And that they're not even they using fucking dailies. They didn't go back to dailies and use other angles. They actually used the movie. But they used because the dirty print of it. They yeah. didn't even go yeah. back to the negative the and scan it in. I, I mean, but Rob, remember, this is back in the day. That's all there was. That's all there was, was dirty prints. They could have no, gone, gone back to the, to the negative. negative. Come on. They're not going to spend the money to do that. Are you kidding? But this is ridiculous. You're looking at a four by three screen with dirt. And then all this is covered by cameras yeah. and engineering. Yeah, in, in, in two shots, <laughs> it's like the surveillance camera no is directed makes by record tapes this perfect. First of all, this could have been a scene between Nimoy, I, I mean uh, Shatner and DeForest Kelly. Yeah, uh, they could have set it up. I mean, this is again, let's telegraph it to the audience. And wouldn't you like to have seen Leonard earlier? Like, if there was some kind of weird surreal scene. With Spock and McCoy talking to each other oh in my some God. kind of mindscape, like Gollum, <laughs> you know, mm. with 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 yeah. McCoy talking on either side or something. Instead, but, you got to wait two hours to see Leonard show up in a bathrobe for one line. Wait, <laughs> it's like he just got out of the shower. Honor them both. I mean, you must. Oh, this is a point where we got to say how much we love I the mean, movie. Or why, people are gonna be why upset. didn't Why didn't Shatner? Realize why didn't Kirk realize right away what was going on with McCoy and take Sarek to see McCoy? And yeah, it would yeah. be, yeah, the know, second you get Sarek figure involved, it out. it's like you don't have to worry about the damn enterprise or any of that shit. Yeah, but, look, you it, but Mark Leonard was not an expensive actor, they could have had him for more if they wanted him. They didn't write him for more of it, you know. Yeah. And it's funny because Hart Bennett knows that Shatner wants to be the first one through the door, and they didn't write Kirk in a way that he was being smart. Right. Yeah. Kirk should always be smart. Radiation from the yes. Ugh, the Grissom. What a... I hate ugh. that ship. Come on. <laughs> and here again, super tight. Look at this. We're on a bump because we're on a soundstage. Yeah. So how do we shoot it? We got to shoot it super tight because we can't go wide. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Mark, earlier, they really needed... And this is a recycled shot. No, maybe it's not because there you no. go. Okay, maybe not. But, um, you know... Uh, I mean, Charles Carell is his DP. I mean, it's just like, I just, it's like, I, I'm sitting here. It's like, I know we're Look at this framing. Things. Look at this shot. Could you get any more boring? Yeah, you could. Yeah, you we'll could pull back. A, I don't think you could more get more boring and than make this. it a medium. Plus, you know, Merritt Buttrick is styled so 80s, you know, and it's supposed to be the 23rd century. 
you know, in between his jacket and his hair. Well, those styles will be coming back. You'll see. Okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I get <laughs> corrected. He's wearing an onion on his belt. Did, uh, which was did the, the infant swap fold up his burial robe before yes. he left? Yes. Apparently. He, he just <laughs> slipped right out of it. very precocious. And ran he off. Makes, he made naked. his bed. He folded his laundry. Yeah. He fed the little creatures that were outside. Uh oh, it's a Genesis quake. And again, where's a big wide shot? Uh, an effect shot. Just one effect shot. They did. At the beginning of the sequence, they had a matte painting. Okay, well, can we see it again? Nope. And, th and this is Robert Hooks, who is not particularly good in this movie. Yeah. I, and look, you know. look behind uh, on the wall back there. That is Epsilon 9 hanging up on the wall. Oh, is it? Let's take yep. a look. I don't know if they'll cut back to it. Maybe they will. Oh, okay. Nope. But again, forever again, this coverage. our memories. <laughs> I mean, the the dialogue here is just it's so flat and 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 again, we have no establishing shot. Where are they? What what where is this? Mm -hmm. so it it right. looks like a boardroom in a in a corporate office. They're in the San Francisco Ramada. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it looks like. And and again, there's no one of the great there things it is looks, back there on the wall. Oh, oh yeah! Look there it is. Look at wow. that epsilon nine. How about that? That's cool. <laughs> they were able to salvage that from Viger. That's all that was remaining. Yeah. Just that image <laughs> preserved in perfect detail. Yeah. <laughs> and so is the little spaceman that tripped over the uh, iron bar. But I mean, I think that the the way this movie is shot, we cannot emphasize enough. I think we are emphasizing it's enough. So it's like this slow push in on Bill. <laughs> I had to try. Because your your life doesn't stand for intellectual chaos. Whatever that means. And again, <laughs> that means. again, look at what what Kirk is wearing. Even it, look at the translate. There's an opportunity so to see hot. future to see future San Francisco, but you can't see anything. It's just a bunch of buildings with yeah. light. You know, now here's not, the first instance the of Little Lloyd Fauntleroy. Oh, you know, Lord Fauntleroy, not Little Lloyd. And what is with the wood paneling? The, the 70s are Did over. Did I say guys. Little Roy Fauntleroy? Yeah. And again. Where is this? Where's the exterior shot of this? There's no weird... exterior shot. We don't care about that. You and your establishing shots. And there's the Batman lamp. Well, so, look, and the problem is, is we've talked about this. This is Star Trek just ripping off Star Wars. And Star yeah. Trek should never rip off Star Wars. No. You know, it should be its own thing. I mean, all this neon. This the problem is this is the this is like Buck Rogers. Yeah, this is. Is like look at the costumes. Look at these costumes. Look at the design of these aliens. It looks even worse. Usual boys. Now, I think those shoulder things made it into uh, costumes later in Next Gen. Well, yeah, because they would give all the women, especially so shoulder pads and other kind of padding. It was a kind of cliche. Now, this is Alan. Uh, Alan, uh, what was his name? Uh, he was a, a character actor like in every show in the 70s and 80s. Right. Look at the back of his head where you can see the bald cap. Yeah. Now, now. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's egregious. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. just how that alien race is. That's right. They have bald it caps. Just, it just looks like an edge of a bald cap. Don't be judgy. And he has the same ears as this way to Eden. Frankly, I'm, yeah, I'm, brother. Just, I'm just glad that uh, crazy straws made their way into the 23rd century. <laughs> <laughs> available ship stands by close up but apparently orthodontia did not soon is now how much but look at even the makeup a black line on his lower lip 
It's sure. it's where's where's the motion picture enterprises? Give me an Octurian or something. Come on. No, you don't motion want picture that. aliens, not you enterprises. Don't want that. Whatever. They were bad too, but they had the sense not to show them. Now here comes the really, really just terrible performance. Right. I don't think you should be uh, talking about this. Uh... <laughs> I'm Federation Security. Yeah. All right, damn it. I'm going to take you to Federation Funny Farm. Oh, stop. By the way, you got to give it up for D. Kelly here because he is working it. He is. Oh, he's great in the movie. You know, great let's stop and talk about that. D is great in the movie. He has yeah, a great. thankless role and he's so good channeling Leonard and just playing this guy who's you know, going who's schizophrenic. It's really good stuff. Now, unfortunately, the actor they chose for this looks exactly like the uh, uh, commander. <laughs> exactly. Why they didn't shave his mustache or something? He, I, he I don't looks know. Exa- it's like it's the same person. And Why? he clearly watched Empire Strikes Back way too many times. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Lando. How you doing, yeah. Doctor McCoy? <laughs> Federation security, sir. But even those kinds of jokes are so TV. Let me yeah. show you an ID card. Yeah, right, right. You show know, you an ID uh, card. Here it is. And again, everything's so tight. All the Here's coverage. Your so tight. Shot. I got your establishment shot right here. 1952. And if Look you're going to do this. a matte painting, make it a big wide, not like this tiny little. Yeah, it's like just a It's just. And there's some convincing Do you have snow. any idea what the street value of that that is? <laughs> I mean, but that's, look at what the... Oh, this was 1984. That's right. There's a I lot mean, of blow. Uh, Scarface. I'm telling First you, this you is get the, the Battle Beyond the Stars of a Star Trek movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Roger would have done more I with his budget that. than oh. they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I hear he's fruity as a nutcake. Ugh. Now, what are these outfits? These prison guard know, outfits. Know, what the hell is this? Again, it's, it feels like Buck Rogers in 79. Like, but I think, where everything I has think, glowing and weird. And That's not very damn funny. Uh, that was, this is actually a great scene. Is, it is. Here, comes, here comes the best part of the movie. The whole breakout, the stealing of the Enterprise. You know, people always say, oh, you don't like Star Trek 3. How could you not like it? Well, we do like the stealing of the Enterprise. It's just it's great. 20 minutes. But see, this and, is really funny. This scene with them, it's so great. You green-blooded son of a bitch. It's his revenge for all those arguments he lost. Yep. This is. This I is mean, this is classic Star really Trek. Really good stuff. Where's Admiral? Don't call me tight. But look at these guys. I mean, like you said, Mark, this is Buck Rogers in the 25th century, right here. Yeah. Look at these outfits. It, it just looks cheap. And I think it does a lot of damage to Star Trek. Look just at in the terms hat of how he's wearing. Now, I think this is Gary Fager. That's a hypno hat. Who was the guy in Star Trek The Motion Picture? You always say that, and then people always say on uh, social that you're wrong. So well, I don't know. Take a look. look it up. I don't know. I mean, look at even his eyes. What happened there? It's like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, D is just so good. Look at, like, look at the performance he's given. And this is a nice little moment. I do like the fact that Leonard finds something for all the cast to do. You yep. know, look, Shatter didn't tank your performance there. It's very Mission Impossible, right? It's like yeah. everybody has their page. Okay, let me tell you, I'm looking on IMDb right now. Gary Faga, prison guard number one. Doug Whoa, Shanklin, prison guard number you, two. So don't go. tell me my business. Darren <laughs> got it right. He, that's why he's the Trexpert, and you're By not. By the way, 
McCoy's wearing the Peter Bogdanovich, rest in peace. Ask oh, God. Peter Bogdanovich. No, even this shot, again, establishing engineering with that shot. Yeah. And then James B. Sicking is the most mustache twirling, evil Star Trek captain. Like, I mean, my God, if I was this 12 Star years Trek old. movie has more mustaches per capita than any other Star Trek movie. I, that's right. That's right. And you're right. You see the Excelsior, and that's what you see. It's yep. supposed to look like this bad ship that's cooler than the Enterprise. Where's the establishing shot of this set? I know, you know where, where, is where, where are they? Where is like, this? It doesn't it's, matter. It's a where is it? You know where it is. It's like Seti Alpha. It's on regular one, Rob. Right. That's right. Where it is. I mean, I mean, but to show us something, anything, show right. us a building. Someone like you. If you're going to do it, doesn't matter. Geography it doesn't matter matters. where it is. And they talk about where they are. They're in the hind end of space, wherever that is. I know, it's but a, show us. The, the, there's no scope. This movie doesn't have any scope. It's a recycled set that. from Star Trek Two. This yeah, also just we've not good storytelling. Now, this was an interesting point that they made uh, in the notes uh, on Star Trek. Why didn't Uhura go with them? And yeah. Bennett, Hart Bennett said, no, she should have gone with them. She's part yeah. of the family. Yeah. Yep. But it's damn irregular. No destination orders. No. I mean, they leave. Her. I mean, it's kind of like I can't believe that they didn't bring Michelle. Yeah. It's not like Again, they're paying her by the day. What's with the hairstyles right. here? I will oh, say, I'm sorry. I do like this moment for her. Now, Rob, you, you have this exact in the hairstyle, so... Look, man, not if I was in the military in the 23rd century. Exactly. And he's looking you know, like Rob, Starfleet is not the military. Uh, we may think of it that way, but it, it's not it's okay. not a really a military organization. He looks it like looks, he just stepped out of Valley Girl. I was, okay. was going to say, it looks like he's going to start dancing in a tiny, tiny, uh, town, a tiny town of Footloose. <laughs> you know. Glad you're on our side. Can you handle that? Uh... Oh, I'll have Mr. Adventure eating. See, all she should do is zap the closet. So it's 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 closed and and, yeah, then, and then go with them. with them. Yeah. All my hopes. Well, they need someone Although to press the button. Although I do love that line, "All my hopes." Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's like you know, it's like in City on the Edge of Forever, where she says, "Happiness yeah. is the least." Yeah. Which is a great line for her. Now here's yeah, here's the Star Trek movie already in progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But look look at establishing There's an establishing shot. Look at that. They wanted to go. What was it? The Russian poet Pushkin. They wanted to invoke that feeling. What? No, that's not what they're invoking. My name is Buster Brown. I live in a shoe. This is my dog Tig. He lives in there too. <laughs> oh my god! I, I have to, but I'm gonna. I have to say, I think Shatner looks badass in this jacket. Yeah, unfortunately, great. they give him the maroon thing later, which is yeah. awful. But yeah. this jacket is great. I know it's like members only, Circle 1984. But he looks cool. And Sulu kind of looks, I like kind of the warrior poet samurai thing that he's wearing. Yeah. Sulu. But but the little Lloyd, little oh, Lloyd, little, little Lloyd, Lord Fauntleroy. Look at yeah. that. What is that? Like, I mean, do we need Chekhov? Really? Like, I mean, look, I'll put it to you this way. If you're going to leave somebody behind, like, isn't it cooler to bring Ahura and leave Chekhov? Yes. Well, it's a big mistake they didn't bring Ahura. Yeah, it's a big mistake. I love this sequence, by the way. Uh, well, and, and James Horner. James Horner's music, dude. Star here. So great. I mean... Sir, come he's, on. He's so uh, great obviously. at playing his old tunes back at us. It doesn't matter. It's perfect. Yeah, I, know. Works. I know. How many times when you had this album did you listen to this cue? A million I mean, times. Oh, a million times. Yeah. I, and then I, this, a, I mean, a lot come of times on. when, when uh, uh, he... he 
in the in the uh, soundtrack, he rips off the uh, the opening from Tchaikovsky's, uh, I believe it's Romeo and Juliet, um, and it's like measure for measure. But, but can we talk about sicking here? I mean, he's doing his nails like. Yeah, it's um, stupid. I'm sorry. It's Look completely this poor guy. Stupid. Look, people forget this was on contemporaneously with Hill Street Blues, and he played the same character in Hill yeah. Street Blues, the SWAT commander, who right, yeah. was like sort of a mincing tough guy. Like he was supposed to be tough, but he really was a bit of a schmuck. He was a butz. And he plays the same character in this. Yeah. He so, was much cooler in Outland. Will someone please explain to me what space doors are? <laughs> it's stupid. Ugh. Look at this. You know what this looks like? Look, something at like a creation convention when they say, yes. welcome to the bridge. And it's like a fan well, convention. No, you know what it is? It's the Universal uh, It's the Universal Studios Star Trek set. Oh, where, totally. Where they, where they videotaped you. But yeah. look, Is that the son of the, the, the Patashai Empire? The excuse is it's supposed to look stupid and overblown and, and goofy. No, but, it, no, but it no, it it's cheap not. and terrible. Nothing should That's ever be supposed to look cheap and terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's supposed to look big and over and, and be overkill, but not cheap and loose and just like awful, like badly designed. And also now, the hu- the humor and I, sir, I'm working on it. The humor in this is forced and TV obvious. Well, this suspense here is great, yeah. and I think this all works until the sound effect, which right. was Leonard Leonard insisted on the running out of gas sound effect. Yeah, yeah. Awful. Here. Well, that's yeah, that's. Because this yeah, is a great little suspense scene. I got you know, the remote control working, sir. Right, but it could be shot like uh, how about push the camera in? Is you wonder the, is the Enterprise going to fit out? Why is the why are the uh, the the uh, space doors? Yeah, I mean that's a terrible profile shot for that. By the way, I love this shot. Yeah, me too. Love this. This is shot. great. This is why I don't have the problem that Darren has with uh, space talk. I know scientifically it's ridiculous. But dramatically, it works. Yep. And again, ILM here, the, the beauty, the capital ships move like capital ships. I got to yeah, tell you, slow full, and full impulse power is much faster than that, but that's okay. Yeah, I know. It's supposed to be thrusters. Yeah, that's a really right, maneuvering yeah. thrusters. Yeah. yeah. And there's another Delton in the background. Well, it could just be a bald person. Well, we don't know. That's Delton. I know, also kind of impulse power. He'd be he'd be at Mars. Yeah, he'd, he'd be he'd be past past yeah. the moon. Yeah. But this is a great shot. This is, is a great shot. And one of the things that works it, most about it is they've gone to such lengths to establish the scale of these ships, so that you really have it fixed in your head. So that when you see them against space dock, space dock seems unbelievably enormous, and it really sells it. And here it uh, comes now, Oh, God. Nearly. The yellow it. alert in the background, that looks terrible. Just also, it has to tell you that it's a oh, yellow okay, alert. Sure. Like, he literally has to close it because it, they can't get it to work. And it's all, it looks so cheap. And, and why look, would it's you somebody that, that later that works Miguel for Army Consumer yeah, Products. Exactly. Well, and the irony is Miguel Ferrer did all the uh, Next Generation trailers, the voiceovers yeah, right. for that. Who's that? I Next on Star Trek. Look Dorothy how cheap Hamill. those chairs look. And They're they terrible. have neon on them. And at least on the Enterprise, they were standing, right? Which is ended up being more futuristic. 
They what would about stand. that font, Darren? Come on. Terrible. Ugh. But well, it looks like Atari that, 2600 monitors. That that good morning, Captain. Look uh, at that. Joke. Oh, oh, God. Yeah, the sound effects. Oh. The good morning, Captain joke is repeated in Star Trek V for some reason. What and happened to the cool why? warp drive effects from the joke. motion picture, no, by the way? To stop up the drain. So why are all the lights on now? Souvenirs from yeah. one surgeon to another... So you can see. Did he what? What did he take out the spark plugs? What's yeah, going on? Yeah, and then he has to say what he did. Yeah. What was that? Well, shot? that's a great line, though. It's true. for promotion. This is this is great too. This yeah. is all great stuff. Yeah. And Mr. Chekhov, take off that collar. Okay. Now. Meanwhile, like, on the Genesis it, planet. <laughs> <laughs> And again, to quote Rob, where's the establishing shot? Well, again, just... where is the establishing shot? Come on yeah. now. And the funny thing is, is uh, this is an opportunity to world build, to give this film some scope. And, well, we don't need it. I can just, I, this looks like a TV Plus show. it makes no sense if you go into Genesis, they send down two people, yeah. you, you, you know, and one ship. Like, they'd have an armada around the freaking Genesis. Exactly. Planet. And they would have multiple science teams because it's also a planet. So they have science teams all over the planet. And it's, yeah. and it's not just a planet. It's a planet that basically got created built. out of nothing. They would know nothing about what had been created on it, what the yeah. life looked like, like how it was evolving. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't just be a ship. It's a, it should be a big deal. And it just feels like, oh, by the way, um, it's kind of a thing that happened. Well, it all and becomes look, about Spock. As opposed to about like this incredible well, piece of remember, technology, they created a world. Remember, Mark, the the title of the film is "The Search for Spock." It's not the looking at Genesis. It's <laughs> it's the search for Spock, and we're me, searching, and here he is. Okay, let me ask you this: <laughs> If he's just running on instinct, we we saw earlier in this movie where you literally step over into the snow. Why would this kid do that? Why would he fold up his robe? I mean, it's 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 just a bizarre. It, 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 I don't buy this for a second. He's just he's just there shivering. Here's why, Rob. Because without his Katra, Spock is pretty darn stupid. I understand <laughs> that, but I mean, he didn't. He landed in a subtropical area. Spock I, may be stupid, but not as stupid as this not captain. As, stupid as, <laughs> as this guy. What would you like to do next? Request permission to beam aboard immediately. Why? I thought this is supposed to be the best and the brightest. Right? I was going to say, why is every captain in Starfleet, except for Kirk, a goddamn idiot? Yeah. Well, again, they have to dumb down every... This movie is very dumbed down. There's not a smart person in authority at Starfleet anywhere. It began a great tradition of doing that in every other film after this. Except for Brock Peters. Brock Peters is stupid because he's leading the insurrection in six. No, Brock Peters is pretty is pretty bad. No, he's not. No, he's not. He, just because he screws up the insurrection doesn't mean that he's not. Cap- and at least he carries himself with dignity. Yeah, he's got presence. And he, he's an actor. You don't like he doesn't speak and you feel like he's obviously stupid. I just don't understand how Leonard Nimoy would not get establishing shots for any of these sequences. I also right. don't understand not how he's important. such a fine actor and he's worked with great acting teachers like Jeff Corey, and yet he casts the worst day players and the worst actors, you know, uh, guest cast ever. I mean, he just cast his friends. He cast his friends. Stand by for evasive. What is that shot? 
Whoops. What is that shot? Come on, pull. Jontonner. Now, I, I know people love this uh, um, Christopher Lloyd as uh, Crooge, but he's a big goof. He's campy. Yeah. Yep. There's no menace. He's not scary. I mean, all he, a different line reading. Instead of going over the top, I'll say the wrong. Now he's speaking in English. Yeah. Perhaps the very scientist you seek. This is too much to read the subtitles, so we got to do it in English now. Grissom, this is I think I think that's a fairly subtle transition, and I like it. Between well, there's the, no uh, between Hunt for Red October. What happened to them? It would seem okay. What kind of line reading was that, dude? Oh, boy. Not a not good one. Ugh. Look at oh, this. Boy. Again, this production <laughs> design, what is this supposed to be? Is this supposed to be sugar canes or what? No, they're cactus. <laughs> it's Whoville. Snow-covered cactus. <laughs> snow-covered cactus. You remember that children's story, the snow-covered cactus? No. The cactus? I don't know why he's shooting everything us. from, from, from over this part. Of, everything he's shooting on this side of the, the yeah, line is, is he, like... He, well, He's, he's, uh, you know. Did I get it right? Great. It, it's from, it's, he was still from McCoy's yeah, POV. So he just used the whole shot from McCoy's POV. Oh, God. And back a, on, a, on a no establishing stage. shot, no beaming down, nothing. Nope. That's too much shoe leather, Mark. Because uh, not only that, we've gone from the Enterprise to Genesis Planet with no kind of transition at nope. all. Yeah, but we know we know where everyone is by this time. We know yes. if there's snow around, we know we're on the Genesis planet. Let, let's. But be there wasn't. There were Klingons reasonable. were in the jungle, and yeah. now we're in the snow. Yeah, but this is where else are they going to be? I don't know. Maybe they're in uh, Arctic. And, and look at look at the background <laughs> behind Young Spock. <laughs> the art department certainly was there. Oh, oh my yeah. god! You, you mean the uh, the uh, uh, yeah yeah the the the, the, the paint. Or the, the plaster and you the, can and see. The, and the uh, fiberglass uh, sheets. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah, it is. Awful. With the paint drips. Yep. Like your father, you changed the... But here's Robin the thing. was getting bad advice from Leonard, too. Yeah. Yeah. years or never. Yeah. I mean, Savick, Savick needs to be more forceful. She's not... Totally. She's not a... She's not a, a quiet reactor. She's she's more fiery than that. And this is this be. is the person who in Star Trek Two, when Kirk goes down to see what the hell happened to Spock, he says, Savik, you have the con. He puts Savik in charge. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know what? I would too. Yeah. But she is a completely different character in this movie. Uh, and yeah. she calls him out on his bullshit too in Star Trek yeah. Two. That's right. It's like, you know, telling him that he should raise the shields and he blows her off and you go right on quoting Starfleet right yeah. Yeah. But I, here, do, she's I do doomed. love this. Can I say I love this? I love Why? this. Why do you love Why? this, Rob? I, I love this because he doesn't he's care. Into he's into like, hentai. Because I, 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 he's a Klingon. This is a Klingon thing to do. I like it. I think it's okay. good. With his hey, bare Rob, hands, he kills some aliens. You're allowed, Rob. What, Rugs what flavor the right to like it. Nothing what, happening here. What flavor of jelly was that? Because <laughs> he doesn't care. He doesn't get scared. That was the one thing a Klingon would okay, do. Okay, here's an, here's an establishing shot for you. Oh, yeah. Here comes here the comes. big... Uh, here comes now. There we go. Yeah, see? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> not such a good established job. Ooh, and there's man. another. Hey, and what, was that that? what was that edit? That quick bum bum? I don't know. You know, it's funny. I thought we were going to watch this and be like, you know, I forgot this movie's much better than I remember it. 
but I'm having the opposite reaction right now. It's like, this movie's much worse than I remember it. Thank God they bring back the jackets from Star Trek II. I mean, I, I love these coats. Yeah. So um, at least the coats are working for at, at the next uh, at the next opportune moment. We are uh, nearly at the halfway point. So we got to decide when we want to end this part. And uh, wow, that was a dramatic. That was dramatic. Well, you telegraphed the fact that we're stopping to be continued. <laughs> I was right. like, guess what? We're, we're going to stop. Well, look, just, well, look I think in this scene, put some Spock, is going to, it. Spock is going to sleep. So maybe we should. Why, yeah, should I I know. Put, why should I put drama into this where none has been put in before? <laughs> Boldly dramatize where none is dramatized. You know, what I, I, you know what I think is most heartbreaking about this: how great this movie could have been. I think that's yeah, why. Yeah. Why we're angry? It's just like there were so many opportunities to do something really cool on the heels of Star Trek Two. And mm-hmm. it by the way, am I the only one imagining Steve Asbell listening to this podcast right now, like yes. shaking his fists in the sky, going, "Oh, man." Why me? I I I, I, don't know. I I like this movie compared to you. That's true. But he would blame you. I don't know. I just I think he's going to be upset. Steve, we're talking. Well, about he'll, he'll he'll get over it. <laughs> Wait until he gets to debate Darren for Star Trek Six. I fun. know. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'll do it. Give me your face. The one that says "bad motherfucker" on. <laughs> Okay, there you have it. So we're going to return on an entirely different podcast, Trexpert's Briefing Room, with part two of our Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock commentary. Can you handle it? Has this been too hard for you to listen to? Have, have we brought, <laughs> we've been dro- dropping too many truth bombs? Well, <laughs> you know what? I know, I know, especially for some of you, it's, it's really hard to hear the truth. But uh, truth will set you free. And uh, there's some good stuff coming up in, in this, the second part. So uh, we're going to be talking about that. And we, look, honestly, we'd love to hear why you love it. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, you, we, 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 invite, we, inv- we, we invite your commentary to tell us about why you think we're, we're crazy. Why, why you think we need to have our katras removed. So uh, I want to uh, <laughs> I want to thank Rob and I want to thank Ashley and of course uh, uh, the great Darren Doctorman, my partner in crime here on the show uh, for this wonderful commentary. I want to thank Bill Ritter making it sound so great, uh, Peter Holmstrom, our uh, producer, Natalie Miscali, and I want to thank you for sticking it out, even though you want to stick a shiv in us for saying all these horrible things about your <laughs> beloved Star Trek Three and. Uh, I want to invite you to return to this place again on the Trexpert's briefing room where we'll conclude our commentary on Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. We'll see you on the Genesis planet. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production. Welcome back to the 430 Movie. We got our expert programmers here to curate Fantasy Theme Week's 
of classic films. From 1998, film directed by Steven Soderbergh called Out of Sight. Yes! Soderbergh directs it with such a sort of confident, self-assured style. Lex Luthor in Superman. What is it about Gene Hackman that... uh... His performance, it's off the charts, but still in reality. Fiendishly gifted. 1981, Sam Raimi opus, The Evil Dead. Oh, yes, fine choice. Sam Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have. Charade. Oh, Directed by Stanley Donnan. It's a textbook screenplay. It's just effortless, and there's not a wrong note in this movie. Can't say enough great things about it. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode of The 430 Movie, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us now for The 430 Movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. If you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. My new book, Secrets of the Force, is now available in hardcover, digital, and audio from St. Martin's Press. And check out my other great oral histories with Ed Gross of Star Trek, The 50-Year Mission. So say we all, the complete oral history of Battlestar Galactica. And nobody does it better, the complete oral history of James Bond and Spymania. All available in hardcover, paperback, digital, and audio wherever you buy your books. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, a podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may yeah. happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Sadly, the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away oh. overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. All that they've loved, all that they've fought for, all that they've stood for, will now be put to the test. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. The word, sir? The word is no. I am therefore going anyway. You do this, you'll never sit in the captain's chair again. Engage auto systems. Clear all moorings. Cleared, sir. One quarter impulse power. Someone is stealing the Enterprise. Warp speed. Bring Alberta Bracer. She's arming torpedoes. Shields up. The shield's not responsive. Fuck! We're a sitting duck. Join us on this, the final voyage of the Starship Enterprise. Star Trek Three. The search for Spock. The adventure continues. This is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And this is the Trexperts Briefing Room. And if you tuned into Inglorious Trexperts last week, you heard our incredible, incisive commentary of Star <laughs> Trek, The Search for Spock. And now we're back in the briefing room with part two. And uh, you're one of the six people that's coming back that's not pissed off that we... Uh, uh, said terrible things about your uh, beloved movie. 
We didn't um, say anything that wasn't true. That's for sure. That's for sure. And I'm thrilled that not only are Darren and I back in the briefing room, uh, but we have two very special Trexperts joining us as well. The showrunner of Dota Dragon's Blood, Mr. Ashley Edward Miller is back. I am uh, tremendously excited, but I, I got to tell you guys that I think that uh, this podcast needs an establishing shot. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of establishing shot, it's Mr. Adventure and Mr. Establishing Shot. You know him as the proprietor and the host of the Burnett Work. It's none other than Robert Meyer Burnett. Well, let me come out of the closet and talk about the fact that I'm a lifelong Star Trek fan, but I just don't like this movie very much. Sorry. Where does it rank for you in your Star Trek list of, of, of movies, Rob? Well, I, 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 there's six Star Trek movies, and then there are another seven. Was it seven, 13 Star Trek movies, right? And yeah. if you count Galaxy Quest. Uh, uh, well, that would, then there's 14. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say for the movies for the original series, this is second from the bottom. So Star Trek five would be, you know, six. This would be fifth for me. God. And, and what about of, you, Ash? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, right. Rob. Well, in terms of my favorite Star Trek movie of all time is Star Trek, the motion picture. I think the best Star Trek movie is Star Trek two. Okay. So, and, and what about you, Ash? Where, where, where does this uh, fit in your uh, holiday countdown of Star Trek movies? Yeah. You know, my beloved son and whom I am well pleased, uh, after seeing Star Trek two asked me to rank all the Star Trek movies for him, like the original series movies. And um, I realized going through it that this is dead last. And the, the reason being that, look, I mean, I think that it is, it's and God knows, I'm sure we've talked about it, that it's, it's difficult uh, to say a lot of nice things about um, much of the, the sort of the, the filmmaking in Star Trek five. Um, and a lot of things about Star Trek V, but there is something about Star Trek V that sort of so perfectly captures the essence of those characters mm -hmm. that I have this tremendous affection for it, regardless mm -hmm. of the places that it falls down. And I do not have that affection for this movie, in spite of the fact that there are sequences that I think are good. Yeah. Fascinating. It's funny because uh, my son, uh, who's not a huge Star Trek fan, but uh, by any means, but Boy, he hates Star Trek 3. Like, I have to defend Star Trek 3 to him. Wow. It, it's, it's his least favorite Star Trek uh, of the six. Um, that what might about be you? The, greatest, the greatest indication of fatherhood I've ever heard, Mark. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what about you, uh, Darren? Where does Star Trek 3 rate in your Star Trek countdown? I'll give you the list. It's one, two, five, four. Three, six. Oh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> Won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, see, Darren is, you know, uh, wrong thinking is punishable. But no, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating because it goes to show people get, you know, mad at us for uh, having the audacity to say things that they disagree with. Even on the show, look at the, the, the diversity of opinion. You know, Darren, Star Trek Six is his least favorite yeah. of the uh, Star Trek films, the original Star Trek films. Um, whereas, you know, for, I think, uh, Rob and Ashley, what was it, number three? Yeah. 
Yeah. So it, it's yeah, interesting. Totally. So even we don't have a consensus. In fact, here's a little inside baseball for you out there in listener land. You know, every year we do these holiday specials and we talked about, you know, look, we've done greatest Star Trek moments. We've done a greatest Star Trek episodes. Um, we've talked in the past about doing greatest Star Trek movies, but it would be so hard for us to come to a consensus like we did with 101 top sci-fi TV series, 101 top sci-fi movies. But with Star Trek movies, there's absolutely, there's kind of no consensus, even among the four of us, that it'd be impossible to come up with a list that would satisfy everyone. Whereas we've been successful in doing that with our other lists where everybody gives up something, but they get something. And I, you know, I think we can all stand behind the lists pretty pretty strongly, but we couldn't do a movie countdown because uh, they don't align at all, our our lists. And there's not enough of them, and we don't like a lot of them. Well, wait a minute. I would ask Uh, Mark, Mark, why why do you think we we couldn't? I mean, you'd think that the four of us might be, we're all friends. We've been friends for a long time. We're like-minded individuals. Why is it that we can't come up with a consensus? Well, I think it's just because... um, our, our list varies so dramatically. I don't think it's that we 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 wouldn't be tolerant of other persons another person's opinion. Like I'm interested, I'm truly interested in why Darren dislikes Star Trek Six so much. Mm, I, I don't do. like him any less. <laughs> you know, I don't oh. disrespect him. Oh, but I do. I, I, it would be hard for what? me to just then kidding. say it's just a joke. If we were doing a countdown, extremely little ensign. Uh-huh. If we were doing a countdown, it would be hard for me to say. Yeah. Oh, Star Trek Six should be the the lowest rated Star Trek movie. Uh, you know, I just would I find it hard to get behind that. I submit um, to you that we that what binds us is that I think we all love Star Trek for essentially the same reasons. Mm. However, comma, um, there are different things that um, that that strike us, you know, on our priority list. Um, and when we when we encounter them in the drama, right, they kind of reach us in different ways. And I think that's why we have a hard time. with Intellectually, I think we're all in the same space when we talk sure. about what Star Trek is. But emotionally, like and, and there's no accounting for that. Right. There's no critical analysis. I think that we're all self-reflective enough that we can say things like, yeah, man, the effects in Star Trek V are incredibly bad. But you know what? Damn it. I kind of like the campfire scene. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's- for sure. Sure. But I also think that, like, for instance, like Ashley and I would probably put two ahead of one. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think, you know, Darren and, and I think Rob would put one ahead of two. So, um, you know, there'd well, be, like I said, it'd just be hard to, to come to that kind of you know, uh, uh, consensus among all of us that we could do a definitive list. Like, yeah. I feel you know, there's certain sacrifices we all made when doing the 101 and when we did the, the TV and the movies, but I can stand by that list. I can defend that list. And, you know, I just think it'd be harder with the movies because our, what do they say? Your mileage may vary, but our, our opinions are and, so divergent. And we absolutely couldn't get 17 hours out of that. Oh, I <laughs> beg to differ. I, I think we could get 17 on, hours Darren. out of the, if we did all the Star Trek movies, for sure. I mean, and that may be what we have to do. We may just have to discuss every Star Trek movie in detail rather than ranking them. Um, because well, that's I would what ask, we're doing here. That's but I want to ask what Ashley. Commentary is all about. I want to ask. I want to ask why Ashley. We're I want to ask Ashley because here we've talked about this whole six Star Trek film thing. But Ashley, 
Am I wrong in thinking you would probably put First Contact higher than in some of the original Star Trek movies? I would. Yeah. So, you know, that opens up a whole nother can of worms, you know, because for Rob, it's it's the Sacred Six. For Darren, it's the Six. But I think, you know, Ashley, he put First Contact ahead of Star Trek 3. Probably was, ahead yeah. of... Ahead no, of four I'm, and five. <laughs> he perfectly frank. He put it ahead of four and five. So well, there you go. Well, I think that, Mark, you just brought up a really interesting point in terms of what is a better movie and what is better Star Trek. Right. And I think what's really interesting is the essence of Star Trek and how it's delivered. You know me, and you've always made fun of me about this. I love Star Trek novels. Right. Now, no one would, would rank them against movies or TV, and nor should they. But a Star Trek story in whatever medium it's being delivered should be able to be reviewed and dissected and talked about and discussed. And yet, in the case of movies, they're very different from TV. Mm -hmm. I don't think any Star Trek movie has ever exceeded the highs of the TV shows, whether mm -hmm. it's TOS, whether it's TNG, whether it's Deep Space Nine. And I yep. will say that even Voyager and Enterprise have some really high notes that they hit. And um, I think I we know. would all agree with that. I, I don't think any of the Star Trek movies are better than the best of the TV series. And yep. I don't think any of the Next Generation movies are better than the best of Next Generation. Nope. No, nope. that's true. And I think we'd also all agree that, um, that number 10 on the list, if we included all the Next Generation films, would be Nemesis. Yeah. Oh, Nemesis by, is by far my least. That would be the worst Star Trek movie, not counting the the JJ films, which I think Nemesis. are a different piece. But Nem Nemesis <laughs> is, of the ten is 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 easily the worst Star Trek movie. But you know what's funny? Like Star Trek Three, it's a movie that has a plot that could have been great. Yeah, that's true. In fact, we did that whole thing on the deleted scenes. Like, I still think somewhere buried in that film is a is an edit is a cut mm -hmm. that's pretty damn good and you know what rob they have a lot of establishing shots in nemesis they damn yes. right they do <laughs> no, because you know Stuart baird but okay and speaking of establishing shots that brings us to star trek three <laughs> where we will be continuing our commentary on the search for spock when we left off darren tell us where we were what was happening in this exciting uh, journey on star trek three um, we have the uh, uh, Savick and David are on the Genesis planet. Uh, so are the uh, the Klingons who have discovered the secret of certainly Genesis. not, S surely not, <laughs> surely not. Um, and uh, uh, Kirk and uh, Scotty and Sulu and Chekhov are on their way to the Genesis planet to find out what's going on and uh, see what's happening. And that's okay. where we're at right now. That's uh, where if we're you at. want to you follow along up. with us, uh, we start at 56 minutes and 8 seconds. So, so uh, you want to get your uh, flying disc out, your Blu-ray, your DVD, or I guess tune into uh, Paramount Plus if you want. You and and, and uh, join uh, us now as we uh, continue searching. And how's that song go? Searching and looking. And whatever. Waiting and okay. hoping. And we Waiting and hoping. Final voyage and final voyage. <laughs> <laughs> My hoople half is unstirred. Um, <laughs> so let's continue in three, two, one. Engage. Saturn. 
Oh, that outfit. God, God. I love the effects. Come on. And lit like a Mexican soap opera. I, I love <laughs> listening to Walter Bitch about this outfit. I, At least he got I rid thought, of the collar. I thought, it was, I thought it was honestly terrible. Why is um, Scotty looking forward in this scene? He like, doesn't know. He's wasted. He's, he's, he's drunk. He's looking for the <laughs> not. That's very unfair. He wasn't drunk. He was just uh, inebriated. Again, these shot choices. <laughs> these shot choices are like the 50-50 here. Come on, man. Yeah, the 50 this is 50, 50 very conventional. And the lighting, it's so overlit. Yeah. I mean, that may also be the color timing, but it's just uh, it's just yeah, it's uh, mostly the light. Boy. It's so it's just they're throwing a bunch of light on it. There's no vignetting. There's nothing. It's nothing interesting about it's these shots. like no. Do you think that um Chekhov's suit is made out of the same material as Savick's chair? By the way, oh, that, this, the, 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 the production value in this scene is uh, Corman would have done it better. Yeah, for sure. In his little studio in Venice. Yeah. 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 Now, here's here's a very, I mean, very controversial, very interesting. It has come. I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming on here, going well, on. I'm sure, Rob, your novels. Uh, didn't they say that they had uh, they had a child that, that Spock got? Yeah. Uh, well, well, that, was, that was from all our yesterday. Czar. Spock's son is named Czar. Zarabeth's son is Czar. But right. like here, the whole pawn far thing now. What what's really interesting about this is they can't actually explain. Here's the one place in the movie where they don't quite explain what's, what's actually happening yeah. here yeah. Yeah. because they can't. And so for those of you who don't know, Spock is experiencing Ponfar, which is the mating uh, uh, urge. I mean, basically, he's got a giant Vulcan boner. And he needs to get off. And if he doesn't, <laughs> he needs to die. And we don't mean the planet. He doesn't need to get no, off the and, planet. But, but what, what, what's, what I find, again, what's so frustrating about this film is that they shy away from the very mythology that they established in the original series in the right. uh, opening of the second season in a mock time. And they couldn't actually come out and actually just state what the hell was happening here. Yeah. And the only reason... I mean, this is the crazy thing. They put this scene in the movie. Unless you were a Star Trek purist, you wouldn't even understand what the hell is going on here. You think he had well, a finger fetish? There is, there is. A, she has a throwaway line that she talks to David previously to this, and she no explains one a little would bit. Understand? But, but yeah, I don't understand no, how you get pregnant from rubbing your fingers together. That's my question. Well, you see, when a Vulcan and another Vulcan love each other very much. Um, Right. So I, how many fingers am I holding up? I have to. I have to say that uh, it's not very when, damn funny. When uh, when we saw Robin at the uh, at the uh, Vegas convention, I uh, I reached out my two fingers and she and she reciprocated and it was hilarious. And I was going to mention that. Uh, that you got a boner, dude. Was, you got a total boner. That was you know awesome. You, you got a Vulcan boner. <laughs> she knew exactly what you were doing. It was so Absolutely. funny. Absolutely. She's the. She's the best. She's awesome. She's the best. We yeah. love her. We don't love this puppet, though. No, we don't. No, I, and again, like why? Down on Fraggle Rock is what he is. But why was why was the decision made to make a Klingon dog that was unconvincing? Well, why? ask Kirk Thatcher that. By the way, this is a great shot. Yep, but it was okay. Tom Berman Studios. It's a great establishment. Um, it's okay. The Enterprise lights are wrong. The uh, impulse engines are the wrong color, and they fussed with the uh, with the. Uh, I think he needs his jacket back. Yeah, he does. 
Oh, I hate this. Awful. I hate this outfit. Yeah, it's I not good. It. Although well, it's the well, it's the best what? tailored one in the whole movie. But Everyone else's that? costumes what don't is fit that right. Breastplate, weird. What is that? I yeah. don't know. It's nautical. And by the way, she know. can't smoke a cigarette. That's right. So let's just put some smoke in there anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't know. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> that is really uh, funny. By the way, did they carry his burial robe with them? I was about to. Yeah, ask. they did. They okay. did. Just yeah, in case. And, they, and they wrapped up. They wrapped him up in it. That's right. Oh, because that was the whole idea in Star Trek Four. They were going to imply that the reason she stayed on Vulcan because was that she was pregnant. Yeah, yes, that's correct. They, they dropped, which would have been a really interesting concept. So why would they carry his burial robe? I guess I mean, no, just okay. in case. Why, why not find a little guy? Because they knew the look, Spock was look in at there. Look at Buttrick here. He's trying to look really tough, and it's not working. And crew has, like, uh, has the young Spock 50 is just fifty million fixated on uh, right Savick. Krug has uh, uh, truck pads on his. Shoulders. These are these are furniture pads that you uh, you know cover your furniture with when you're shipping. I have no knowledge. Oh, that's a great line reading. Well, you know what? She d- Leonard was telling her exactly how to say it. Yeah. He was giving her line reading. Even she knows she's not good in the movie. Yeah. I mean, she was funny when we talked about it. It's like she's like she hates watching it because you just. Yeah. But she said she was young and she was listening to Leonard and she figured he played Spock. He knew what he was talking about. No, he didn't, though. He didn't. He was an actor that understood when you're trying to explain to somebody your own process. It never works. No, it never works. I have to tell you, for an actor who's directing other actors, the fact that he would give her line readings to me is just. uh, It it ain't cool. You know, the thing that Kirstie had was Kirstie was fiery. You know, and that's what I think people really liked about what Kirsty brought to that role. Well, I mean, people forget Sobek's half Romulan. There's yeah, no, yeah. and I don't think Leonard Nimoy ever understood Sobek was half Romulan. No, no, I think but that's why they that. dropped that whole idea. But he, he does. Although he, he has he, lines he, in Star Trek Two that does explain it. Yeah, yeah. he just that cut. That were cut. Oh look, so it's, it's not a, canon. It's a distortion. We can see the we can see the ship. Yeah. So it's defeating the, the stars. It's been made canon. Defeat the, the point thing. of the cloaking device if yeah. you could see a distortion. Again, Why do we have I a mean, cloaking device that shows the stars blurred behind it? I also have to say the color, the lighting in here is 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 it's every cheap. No, no offense, Roger Corman, but here's how you you yeah. you take away from the bad red light. Sets. And you got a blue light, yeah. red light and blue light. That's it. Yeah, it's Galaxy of out. Terror, Forbidden World, all yeah. those movies. We keep, and and. We keep mentioning you know, Roger Corman and Battle Beyond the Stars. I think we should point out that James Horner scored Battle Beyond the Stars. Use it here again. Battle Beyond the Stars is a ripoff of the score from Star Trek: Star Trek Motion, Motion Picture. Picture. But right. I, I want to point and, out how sloppy this Klingon bird of prey. It's like Rob said on our previous show. You know, it originally was supposed to be the Romulan, so it was like Romulan bird of prey, but they just changed it to the Klingons. Yeah. But until this point. The Klingons never had it. Romulans had bird of prey, not yeah, Klingons. Right. Yeah, that made me right. nuts when I was a kid. Back when no, I was reading is, uh, a Rafe Needleman's book. Oh yeah, I I, I love remembering uh, Roddenberry's note. What what exactly is a Kellicam? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a Kelly cam, and it follows her. Around. But again, I I look at the lighting in these scenes. It's so low budget. It's well, so. 
Well, that's the thing. It, it, they only had a little more money than they had on Star Trek Two, but it's a much bigger movie in theory than Star Trek Two. They don't have the ability to redress the Enterprise bridges, the Reliant, and all this stuff that they no, but did on Steam. Here's the thing: when you put more color in a scene, it looks cheaper. Yeah, mm-hmm. less color looks more expensive. I mean, you yeah, gotta remember this but- is two years after Blade Runner, and this costs what Blade Runner costs. Yeah, I, I, I mean it's. I, I hate that the density of the view screens are so dark. Mm-hmm. Density. It has density, man. That I mean, is wildly over the top. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Just well, I mean, I, he, it was bracing, honestly. But that's Christopher Lloyd. And, and you know, uh, you know, Koenig always tells that story. Bring me up. And he says, no, you got to talk into the communicator. You can't just throw your arms up. (laughs) To be honest, I have to say that this this movie ruined the Klingons forever. Yeah. Because if you go back and you look at uh, even Mark Leonard's performance in Star Trek, the motion picture, it's so subtle compared to this. Yeah. Well, they go from being Japan, Japanese samurai, like really fearsome, you know, warrior to like, you know, kind of goofy. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at look at John Colicos. A uh, core was yeah. the great. He's the template that all Klingons should be built from. Yeah. And they took the wrong lessons. And well, uh, it's it, 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 it's it, it's almost it like Star the, Trek the, forever. The Klingons were the Mongols, the, the Mongol warriors, you know, originally. Uh, before before they became sort of the uh, euphemism for Russians, right? Um, and so it was uh, it was a little more thought out back then. And now it's just yeah, like we said, it, it's gone cartoony. Yeah, I want to replace all the scenes with Maltz with Mance, Scott Mance will be <laughs> Mance, Charlie it's, it's the companion. <laughs> Look uh, at that horrible view screen. Oh yeah. my god! And I mean, they, they're actually they, projecting it. They're projecting yeah. it on. Well, so a, this is not an optical. This is projecting it on. I the, think it yeah. might even be a TV screen. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's just terrible. It's like the the view screen in Star Trek Five, which is awful. Um, I'll tell you There's what. There's no else. excuse because they had a view screen template in from Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yeah. Now, I want to. I've been bagging on Christopher Lloyd, but I have to say he's good in this scene. Yeah, he's very good in this scene. By the way. He's being directed to be the way he is. Yeah, yeah that's true. And you know, because Leonard Nimoy never understood this isn't goofy. It's, they uh, don't it's, get it. it's space opera, Rob. It's big. It's uh, it's no, bold. It's, it's, uh, not. it's, uh, it's it operatic. Because people love the Cleons. I don't think they did before this. Your doomsday weapon. No, what if he said, your doomsday weapon? I mean... Or Doomsday Machine. It's so interesting because if you look at this, this is almost the same scene, beat for beat, as from Star Trek Two, yep. when Khan is talking to Kirk. Right. And think about how much better that scene is in Two. The writing, the the way it's shot, and it's the same scene. Yep. You know, the Enterprise has been disabled. Uh, that's and a, now that little round thing, by the way, is a Norelco shaver head. On the, on the there you go. So oh, you serves know. a dual purpose. <laughs> it says it can communicate and it can also I mean, uh, uh, trim your beard. Again, this scene is supposed to be. But he lives. He's subject to rapid. I mean, this is the amazing revelation scene that Spock is alive. Yeah. Really? 
And I love that the studio hated the idea that David screwed everything up, that he, he, you know, supposedly the guy who complained about Kirk cutting corners is now the guy who cut corners and, 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 you know, uh, used proto matter, this whole nonsense that was introduced. Once again, plug the episode about the notes on this script, because the studio notes were amazing and great. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah, what was it? Gene Therapy, Gene's Notes on Star Trek Three. We did a third season of Inglorious yep. Experts. Great episode on the notes of, of, of Star Trek Three, which now, we still friend, got hammered for saying terrible this things. This knife about Star was Trek designed 3. for this movie by my friend Phil Norwood, and I always like to credit him when it shows up because it's well. Cool. Phil did a good job, it's so cool shout knife. out to Phil Norwood. And by the way, that's they a good used knife. It all the way into the twenty fourth century. Yeah, and did. On. Well, I mean, it's only seven nice. years later. We still use it's Bowie a, knives. It's a nice knife. Yeah, no, it's a That's great looking knife. knife. That's a knife. <laughs> it's all in the reflexes. Oh, uh, we barely knew you, David. <laughs> Clearly, you didn't get fighting lessons from your dad. Because right <laughs> now, what's called for is the double-fisted hammer blow. Yeah. You know, David is basically a glorified red shirt in this. And I really hated that. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, such a I big do. revelation that, you know, Kirk has a son. You know, and it's so meaningful. And like, there, there would be a whole interesting thing to explore there. And but frankly, instead, frankly, the elimination of Carol Marcus from the equation is also oof. bad. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, when she says David is dead, she's half Romulan. Yeah. You know, her blood should be up here. Right. She shouldn't be talking like an unemotional Vulcan. She should, this is when she breaks. Kill my son. But she doesn't. But this is exactly what you said, Rob. It's about Leonard, you know, jettisoning or not caring about the whole backstory of the Romulan. As far as he's concerned, she's just another Vulcan. But he doesn't understand that. That's a Star Trek. That's a fan thing. Like, he wouldn't even know. He wouldn't get it. He Actors don't understand them. That's good. Christopher Lloyd's good there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Surrender your vessel. You want them killed, too. And then, you know, Kirk has to be smart here. Which is good because I, I mean I remember getting laughs in the theater when he misses the chair and does the whole Klingon bastard thing. You know, people now say, "Oh, what a great performance!" It, look, Bill yeah. is an amazing actor and he's great in a lot. I'm not a huge fan of his performance here. Yeah, I agree because it's it's over the top. Yeah, yeah it's he, not he real. There's Kirk no, there's no real lose it. it. No, he doesn't never yeah. on his, on his bridge. It. Yeah, he yeah. contains. He doesn't it. look at it. He's leaning on the railing. That's not James T. Kirk. Well, and you read the interviews with Leonard. I think I even said this to me in one interview. It's like, he says, oh, you know, I didn't know how I was going to direct Bill in that scene. I cleared the set and we worked on it. But he didn't have a vision for what that was. Right. And he, you know, and it's exactly what you said. It should be you're containing. You're still trying to keep it, your anger bottled up. Yeah. Because you have other people to protect other than just, you know, she's going to deal with the loss captain, later. The best starship captain. He's His a- anger is weakness. That's yeah, right. Yeah, it is. Weakness here. And, it's, and the uh, thing he, is, it would be never tightly controlled. You should see it in his face. Yeah. His, just his mouth. And that would be interesting. Right. Rather than that? missing the chair and your Klingon bastard, you kill my son. I mean, we used to joke about that as kids. It's like make fun of that scene. But it's like with anything else. The- when you have tension and you resolve it, you you just automatically kill what's happening with the drama. If, if, if he had contained, right? 
if if we had seen him attempting to not have the reaction that we have here, that right. his response was simply, I'm going to blow up the goddamn shit. Look how brightly right? lit this is. Yeah, it's crazy. This is the, the Klingons, an alien bridge, and it, it shot like every that other set. Like and you can see why, why you're looking at all this smoke and all, but... You know, the thing about Kirk, I think this makes Kirk look weak. Yeah. The thing about Kirk is he, as we know in Star Trek V, he needs his pain. Yeah. He uses it to fuel his uh, mm-hmm. his tact, his understanding, yeah. his plans. Well, what's interesting here is you talk about this movie being the ultimate fan service. Yeah. And this truly this is, is because yeah. we all love this. You know, let that be your last battlefield. Yep. Because it finally, oh, it's Star Trek. Yeah, you know, this is hey, like, I oh, remember cool. this. That was from TV. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. One. So that was cool, One but it's fan service. It's low hanging fruit. To be are not to be. Science officer. I mean, I think they would have changed the codes after all these years, but hey, that's just me. Well, I think it's who says it. You know, it's yeah. voice identification. But again, you know? you know what? This should be coverage. Yeah. Every single totally. person should have a, a single on this scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't it's have the time. Same shot pushing in. Didn't have time. Shot they shot it and he was uh they had time. The camera's right there. Boom, boom, boom. Just shoot it. Come on. Now, what the hell is that graphic? It's terrible. It really is. It's the Atari 2600 game. It's like, oh, now Why is it so freaking red? Kirk, your time runs out. All set. I mean, again, it's like Khan. Commander Klingon vessel. I give you two minutes. Now. So I kind there's of wonder good, if, if this isn't a mistake. Like, that he does like the zero, zero, zero destruct zero, but it, then it kind of feels like you want the Klingons the to show up, the look back. for them, it's not the know where they side. are, and then it you is, go down it, to the planet okay. and realize but it's but I also, the Enterprise. Yeah, I know. I also yeah. want to say, in the comic book adaptation, there's that great moment where he steps on the transporter picker and closes his eyes for a minute because he knows what he's just done. Right. And it sells the whole idea that this is really difficult for Captain Kirk yeah. to sacrifice the Enterprise. By the way, it's that would have been a great, great moment. shot, dude. And he's, great not, shot. he's not playing that at all because Leonard's not telling him. Bill's never going to think about that. Because Leonard so, doesn't care. And no, he like, doesn't care. He doesn't know Star Trek. My lord, the ship appears to be deserted. Oh my god! And this is one of the dopiest scenes ever in the Star Trek. It's talking. The computer's talking. Let me hear. Let me listen. Oh, meanwhile, there's a forest fire on the bridge. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I, I can use can my them. iPhone right now to scan my Japanese model instructions. I mean, give me a break. It's Come a deforest on. fire. Get out of there! Get out! Like they could. How are they supposed to get out? In ten seconds. I maybe should beam them out. You got a transporter. Where are they supposed to go to shuttlecraft? Okay, now oh, I have I, to say, can I just say, ahead, I always hated that this is the way the Enterprise, like this, like those are those are crew quarters. Why are yeah. they burning up? Just saying. You know, it doesn't make know, any sense. At the time, sense, it was sure pretty awesome. Pretty. It is. Yeah, pretty. I, yeah, I love this, and I love oh, it burning good. up in the atmosphere. And this Look is great. Look at that garbage yeah. mat. Yeah, I mean, but look, this is just super cool. <laughs> yeah, and the score. Let, let's just give the it. The score a is great. Okay. It's a lovely moment. That's a great shot That's too. A great yep. shot. Silhouette. Burning up. Yeah, but now we're on a stage. Unfortunately, with the there's a it's bad fine. backing. Of course. 
But okay, you know, this was a cheap movie with no budget. They did a few things right. Another 50 millimeter lens is cool. Okay. Oh, now he's upset. But it, 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 it's like. Look, it's the laying off from 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know what? People really love that movie. That came out after we did the uh, the Holly Countdown. People love 2010. We do. We love 2010. That's why I was on our list. But I was very gratified to hear all the people who went and watched Capricorn One after they heard it on our list. Yeah, right? that's good. And too. loved it. Look over there. Ooh, let's shake yeah, the camera. Everything is rumbling. <laughs> Meanwhile, on but stage eleven. By the, by the way, that's totally outside to where we need to be on an entire goddamn planet. Mm. And it's funny because then the people say, "But they did this on the original show," and yet on the original show they we sold it because of the drama. Yeah. You know, you, you never yeah. you never thought, "Oh, okay, well, it's a, you know, star from rock." This is a feature what, film. It's a feature yeah. film. Exactly. It's, it, it's, it doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. Well, yeah, you have braces. another boner? <laughs> now? <laughs> Now's not a good time. This is a terrible time. Okay, at least he has the jacket on. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Oh, cue the flames. Now, let's, let's just say, you know, we're not, like, criticizing this for being a product of its time because, like, we look at a movie, you know, from the 1930s that has bad rear projection, you know, and it could be, it doesn't matter. What's the there, right? Uh, well, like, what's the motion there? This was a bad at the time. Like in 84, yeah. this was bad for the time. It's not right. like we're looking back now with hindsight and saying, well, this doesn't hold up to today's production values. In 84, this looked cheap. Yeah. Yes, it did. It looked even, really cheap. Even the was... super cheap Star Trek II looked better than this. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Star Trek II, it, oh. it, it, it showed its budget and things like regular one where everything was from yeah. modern props and everything. But it's still the way Nick shot it. I didn't you didn't feel the budget fully understood how to tell the story, which is why I take a little bit of issue with like talking about like, you know, whether Leonard understood Star Trek or not. The, it's his job as the director to read the goddamn script and understand where those characters are coming from, like whether he's encountered them before and had like, you know, decades of experience with them or not. I believe and to have some timer. sense of what he wants from his actors and what he wants from his scenes. But we but saw he, in Harv's notes, Harv wasn't taken Especially at this point, you know, Leonard needed Harv to protect him from the studio. So yeah. he wasn't going to go hard on Harv on this movie. They didn't have their falling out until Star Trek four. Right. And, and no one was telling Harv, this is dumb. This doesn't make sense. Where's the heart? This dialogue is crappy. Well, look at this shot. Look at these shot choices. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but I mean, is this an over the shoulder? What is it? And that becomes. Well, he's he's doing it all in a water, so yeah. Functions highly accelerated. Hmm, probably because they had to finish. <laughs> he's like, oh, we've only got five more minutes to shoot. Let's do it in a water. Yeah, we're losing the light on the stage. Well, and remember, they <laughs> lost some time because the stage caught the on stage fire. Stage burnt down. Yeah, oh. yeah, and Shatner saved the stage. Apparently, yes. No, it's such After a great a story. <laughs> you know, on Entertainment Tonight, how. Uh, the stage caught fire, and they have the picture of Shatner with the fire hose, yeah. you know, saving the stage. Oh, th 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 this is, this is the, the reason people love this movie. Stealing the Enterprise and this. Because this is a great scene. You know, this is turning death into a fighting chance yeah, for life. That's right. <laughs> Ship was the victim of an unfortunate accident. 
as we say on Earth, c'est la vie. Shatner's so good here. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, what you want to see. This is the badass yeah. Starship captain who's out thinking and out playing everyone. You're going to have to bring us up there to get us. This is the same you thing as Kong. You're going to have to bring me up there. You have to come down here. You're going to have to come down here. It's so interesting to see I'm the parallel. I'm laughing at the superior intellect. This is literally a bad version of Khan. But Shatner sells this shit. Yeah, He's so course. good. Yeah. Yeah. He elevates it. Look he at that miniature. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is great. This is great when he decided he beams down. And now this rectifies the problem of Khan because you have your antagonist and your hero meeting. Right. The mm -hmm. problem, unfortunately, is they meet in a really shitty fight scene. Yeah. You know, because that was the one thing it fixes from Khan, that Khan and Kirk were never together. Yep. Prisoners have been coordinates. You should take the Vulcan, too. No. Because it's what you wish. This is good. Yeah. It's great. Mark. But again, look at these tight shots, these tight Two. medium shots. Yeah. Okay, there I we have them, a wire hate shot. Them, hate them. No, it's 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 there's no scope in this film. Well, if there's any wider, you'd see the barn door. I want it. What kind of dialogue is that? And we'll talk. Give me what I want. I like the blouse hanging your sleeves. You fool. Look around. Now, you know, it's interesting because in the last couple of years, the idea of an alpha male has fallen out of fashion. But to I, me, this is a great this is what's good about an alpha male. This is yep. not toxic. This is masculinity without the toxicness. I get. I absolutely. I agree with you 100. percent But that's really Ooh. cheap and bad. Yeah. Yes, it is. That is awful. Uh, we need something to uh, instigate the start of the fight. Uh, maybe oh, where, where's could the come theme? Where's the that is an unflattering theme. This a musical theme right here. I was just going to say, Rob. I'm so glad uh, you said no that. Music. All of a sudden. You know when they when they when they spotted this, did Leonard say let's not score this? Because I so mean, so much of this movie, I feel that way. Like, what happened in the spotting session? Like, ah. what if it's all dry? This looks like an episode of T.J. Hooker. It's, it's Except in T.J. Hooker, he'd jump on the hood of the Bird of Prey. Hooker's a good cop. Awesome. First of all, I, I think the he the very him in idea the, nuts, the script of having and, and uh, not everyone keeps their genitals in the same place. This is oh, just, and look at this matte painting. Well, this makes the, Genesis and Star Trek Two look good by comparison. Yeah, this is silly. It's just silly, and 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 I get it. But since when did the entire planet suddenly become <laughs> uh, a raging inferno? Yeah, I, I just come on, yeah. man. Really? Yeah. It's evolving. Okay, very quickly. Here's it's something even worse. Here it comes. Here comes. Oh yeah. The best part. Oh my God, that's terrible. Oh, that's like but, oh. Oh, but it gives was, us this. What was that edit? Not good. I've had enough, enough. of oh, you. you. It's what I okay. say to my children all the time. <laughs> now, again, <laughs> you you them in the face. this line is famous for all the wrong reasons. Enough of you. Oh, he changes into a puppet. Okay. And then, like, a really bad visual effect. This end, is, is the cool. guy who killed his son. So right. to do a, co a comedic yeah. beat... It's wrong-headed. 100% wrong-headed. It should be like, I'm getting my revenge. Yeah. You know, it gets that Kirk whole idea. By, by this the is way, a drama. This is Star Trek. By the way, Kirk should have killed Krug and hated doing it because he's like, I hate the fact that I feel this kind of pain 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to kill you anyway. Yeah. The fact that he felt revenge should be something he doesn't usually feel. Yeah. And it should there should be recriminations even he's though embarrassed he's killing by it. him. Yeah. He isn't, exactly. He, he feel, I don't think he's embarrassed. He's terrified by it. He's terrified but it's, that it's, he it's did different it. than Arena. He you know he he kills him anyway even though he knows he shouldn't because he he has such hatred for this man who yep. killed his son. Now this is also great the way he fakes the the Chung Chu and gets beamed aboard. Yeah. You know he pretends to be crude. Uh-huh. That's clever. That's Kirk being clever. We like that. But not this. Not these dreadful. I mean, uh, uh, shots. I I mean this is this is this is Battle Beyond the Stars here. No, Literally, this is Corman. You said everything. Yeah. Look at the blood on Kirk's face. Come on, man. Really. And whoever the stuntman here, he has huge thighs. Yeah, oh my god, he sure. looks nothing like Shatner. Nothing. <laughs> and then we linger on bad miniature effects. Why? I know why. We don't need this. Why, why are we on this planet now? Because they scope? paid for it. They're going to use they it. They paid for it. Don't. How many more? Just him, son. He's Look the at the that only bridge. One here. Huh. You. Okay. Help us or die. I do not deserve to live. Fine, I'll kill you later. Oh, it's like command totally different from <laughs> the previous you scene. Last. Just, you know? Yeah. Well, somebody was not taking scripty and makeup so, department. We're no. not taking pictures. Why, why are we? Why are we looking at this? We shouldn't be. Why, like why don't we have more character stuff with our characters? They need a transition. Yeah, and they didn't have one because he didn't shoot it. That or nothing. And Kirk's makeup is totally different again. Yeah. This is a nice shot. Yeah, it is. Don't my complaint about the bird of prey, other than it's called a bird of prey, is that I feel like this scale of the bird of prey wasn't always consistent. Uh, it, no, no actually, not at all. It was not. They, they actually had to come up with the fact that there are two different scales. At they're exactly the same. Yeah, but ship, this, like even on one two ship, different. I know. It should be called the Klingon Klingon scout ship. You know why? Because in this movie, it's like a it's like a twelve man ship. In Star Trek Four, they need to put whales in it. Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. But even in this movie, there's the shot where they're they're having the face off, and the bird of prey looks as big as the Reliant. Yeah. Look how much better this looks in Star Trek Four when they had more money. You know, the bridge and everything, so much better. Boy, he's getting paid for this. Sitting there, Leonard. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a great scene. D does a great job in it. He does a phenomenal yeah, job. Now, awesome. now, he is again, the unsung hero. This is why the movie people do love the film. Let's acknowledge the fact yeah. that these kinds of scenes are why people love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I just have to remember my uh, my glass Taco Bell uh, drink glass uh, that has the. Uh, the magic of Faltor Pan uh, on it with uh, Spock's face. <laughs> the refusion. <laughs> Only at Burger King. <laughs> no, Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Oh, Taco Bell. All right. Star Trek Two is Burger King. Star uh, Trek yes. The Motion Picture is McDonald's. Correct. <laughs> what was Star Trek Four? Uh, I don't the remember. Aquarium? I don't remember. <laughs> Do we know? I, I don't. Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. That would be awesome. <laughs> Long John Silver's. Star Trek Five was Roy Rogers. Now that's, that's a nice a map painting. painting. That's beautiful. I yeah. believe that. Now was all of a sudden the movie starts to look a little better. Um, 
what I don't understand is they cut this huge um, scene they shot at Ox and Owl. Yep. You know, the procession. It, it must have, they say, oh, we, we thought it was redundant, but it was no, a big scope. It must and have it, looked terrible. It must look terrible. Yeah, exactly. There's a nice shot, too. All this Vulcan stuff looks great. No, the, oh, yeah. Great. ILM did a great job. It's been a while, sir. Here we Here go. We go. <laughs> it's been a while since he commanded, what, a starship or piloted? No, since he, since he, drew, he drove a ship that small. Ah, uh, a pacer. Now look, you can see um, in the map painting all the people, bigger. all the people stacked up on the steps back there. Look, and this is this James Horner music is gorgeous, it's gorgeous, absolutely great, stunning. You know, you you can't take away from what James Horner brought to Star Trek two and three. It just it just so happens that Jerry Goldsmith score is one for motion pictures one of the greatest scores ever written. So right. two and three are amazing, but they're not as good. But then you get to four and you go, oh, I would. Oh, look at that. That's a great. That's great. So this was Occidental College. That was at Occidental College. Correct. But they shot all this stuff that they cut with the big procession. And the scene with the kid, the little kid that runs up to Spock that got cut. Live long and prosper, Mr. Spock. Well, again, again, we talked about this. Spock was not a hero of the Vulcan people. Right. He was an outcast. He was yes. half human. So why is he getting all why this? Why is he this getting is a, this? This is great. Yeah. This is great. This looks great. It's it, it suddenly we're in a science fiction movie. It well, doesn't look cheap. And yeah. it's this part looks cheap. Shot. <laughs> yeah. This part looks cheap, yeah. It's great. Why? But even this looks cool. It's right. sci-fi. Yeah, like, yeah. And then we go back to these 50-50 shots or 50 medium shots or whatever. And you have Dame Judith Anderson, which is so cool, from Rebecca as the Vulcan priestess, which gives yeah. it a little bit of heft. Not and you're right, the, 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 those diaphanous robes are... I and never by realized the way, they're this really shot looks diaphanous. Cool. Yeah, Super really diaphanous. cool. I have really to is. say that stealing uh, some thunder from Rob, uh, Vulcan sure has some hot women on it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not kidding how about that? <laughs> well, they don't feel emotion. They have also very real breasts, as you can see right here. Well, we don't know that for sure, but good good for them. <laughs> how many fingers? But by the way, they actually look like, a, and I have to say, it might be a little goofy. Sarek's outfit here is awesome. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's I don't awesome. think it's goofy. I think it's great. It's you, awesome. know, that, you know, he has this like sort of Jor-El quality. Like yep. this gravitas that Marlon Brando had in Superman. 100%. Vulcan has three days of life left to it. <laughs> he is so good in this scene. He's uncertain where my son is concerned. Who is the keeper of the Katra? Spock is the keeper of the Katra. <laughs> He's the babe of the power. The power of voodoo. By the way, the power uh, of you the know, I always rail about the fact that modern Star Trek is all about fantasy. This is a an incredibly fantasy sequence. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. I think the the idea of what Star Trek is doing here, right here in this scene, might have infected modern Star Trek for the last forty years. Absolutely. Well, now you got this is what you got to remember about this. When they killed Spock, when they filmed it, they thought they were killing Leonard. Leonard was done, and they would continue making Star Trek movies without him. Right. Then after the test screening. They realize, oh my God, this movie's gonna be a hit. We need Leonard back. Yep. So this whole thing was concocted on the fly. 
There was no like logic, for lack of a better word, to bringing Spock back. I mean, they literally had to go back and they shot that remember as a, you know, a quick thing. They didn't even insert. They, they they had it, and I think they added the ADR on it or something. Yeah, you know, it was quick thing, and then they shot the casket on the planet. But n- it was all bullshit. You know, none of it was planned. It was like, how do we bring Spock back to Star Trek? That's I think that ultimately is why I have such disdain for this movie. Well, that's because why just this this movie is a two hour cop out. Well, yes, it, it also it, the it, it's the turning point where Star Trek went from science fiction to science fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, correct. And and that that has infected the franchise ever since, and it has been embraced by modern Trek. And I think we talked about too. It demeans his sacrifice. Yeah, like, yeah. The whole idea of the good of the many outweighs the good of the few. The one Spock makes the sacrifice for the collective good to save Kirk, to save the crew of the Enterprise, potentially to save the Federation. But in this movie, it's like, no, I want Spock back, and I'm going to sacrifice everything to get him back. And it it it, it just you know, it negates everything in Star Trek too. And also, she says, "What you asked, the fault pan hasn't been done since ages past." Oh, but wait, let me do it. Hold yeah, on, yeah, I, mean, I got the manual. I mean, we'll right do here. it. We'll do it. This I'm is just which, not guaranteeing anything. It's witchcraft. This is Buffy. Yeah, this is this not is, Star Trek. This, this is when Star Trek jumped the shark to fantasy. Yeah, right here. Look at that shot. <laughs> And, oh, and this, what's with this, this montage is not very uh, intriguing or interesting or anything. What's so why are closed? At? It's kind of boring. But it's also... He's looking for the lens. You know, in a way, what this is doing is denigrating what Star Trek used to stand for, which this not intellectual chaos. I knew you were going to say that, Rob. <laughs> Great minds think alike, sir. <laughs> But, you know, by the way, Horner's music is great here. But what we're watching is a fantasy trope made flesh that doesn't belong in Star Trek. It's like I had so much more interest to see Kirk have to deal with the loss of his friend. Or at the very least, you know, it's like they part of himself him as an android. Oh, shit. Yeah, no. No. And now we return to Krull in progress. Dude. And, you know, it'd be interesting Krull. that they at least bring Anthony, Spock back talk. a movie or two later, you know? It's like, rather than bring him back in the next picture. Plus, I don't understand why they cast all these Asian actors. It makes it look like Fu Manchu. Yeah. All this Vulcan stuff. Well, But again, oh. I mean, the, the cheapness of the film, it really diminishes the way this was shot. Oh, and some of these shots, if you're watching along with us, you can see it. All these profile shots and the camera is always in the wrong place. Always. And now we're behind their heads. Yeah, like, what is this? Where are you, oh, you get the ladies. That's Where good. Are your Except for Rob's They're under my Vulcan hat, lady. There's and then we land in sort of a, a weird over the shoulder, but we're, we're, we never stay in that shot. We go, what the fuck? Are you okay, Bones? I'm all right, Jim. I mean, this uh, this at least has the emotional impact of it. Yeah. Only time will answer. You know, because the actors, the actors are making this work. They're committing to it. Yep. You know, Bill's selling it. Uh, Mark's selling it. Dee's definitely selling it. What you've done is... What I have done. I had to do. I had to do. At what cost? Your ship. Your son. Your movie career. I haven't tried. Well, it's funny because he was, you know, doing T.J. Hooker at the same time. So he's yeah. going back and forth. 
There he goes. Again, these 50-50 shots, man. It's like, God, man. And, you know, and people who aren't watching along don't really, I guess, get what we're saying. But if you actually line up the movie with our commentary, you'll see just. (sighs) Wait a minute. I know that guy. They're paying me. I better say something. What's with those antenna? (laughs) Is that like an Andorian Vulcan? What's going on? No, it's just crystals. The Vulcan believe sure. in uh, crystal power, crystal energy. We just got out of the spa. Pure energy. The spa. The planet acts as a depository. What? <laughs> uh, look at his hair right here. Please, c- come on. Give us something a little better than this. Please. I mean, this is Nimoy's look, first appearance after the death of Spock. Look, yeah. I have to admit, I got... Uh, emotional at this scene because it's uh, as as goofy as it is. You don't have to apologize. It, it does hit the mark for me. But again, the, the staging of this though it's it's like it's the most pedestrian way to deal with this. I'm I'd say something, but I don't have a line. And by the way, DeForest Kelly needed a moment in this scene. He did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They should it's have really given... wrong he didn't have a moment. He should have had mm-hmm. more moments in the movie, honestly. They do give him the little wave at the end here, you know, a little head thing, I think, but... Uh. Same for me. Spock and, and McCoy needed a moment. They needed yeah. an immunity syndrome moment. <laughs> yeah. Do you like that episode, Rob? Because the needs of the... <laughs> I do outweigh the needs of the many. I mean, I like I like the lighting. I like you know. But again, the, back to the fifty-fifty. No, and yeah, he stays yeah. in the fifty-fifty where we need close-ups, like close-ups, yeah, yeah. man. Totally close-ups. Staying totally. in the fifty-fifty. And this That's dolly, he just dollies into this fifty-fifty, and he dollies out of it, and it's just so bland. Well, I have been. There's a cl- where's the close up, bro? Come on! I know I can't believe we're in it over the shoulder. Ah, yeah. we're in a dirty over. Shit! Out of danger, dude. This should be close, close, close. Mm-hmm. I know because I'm like looking at the background. It was, you know, what's that? What the, what the what Why is the woman on the right out. not looking at them? He's I know, like she's got other craft to do, man. Because the, you know, the AD isn't telling her where to oh. look. That's why it's not close because Leonard wanted to walk into his shot. Your name is dude. Jump into that. Yes. Oh, it'd be man. cooler if, like, if Kirk was like, you know, I'm gonna fuck with him. No, no, it's it's Frank. Yeah, sorry, dude. You're you're wrong. Sorry, Spock. There's McCoy's moment. There's McCoy's yeah. moment. Hi, remember me? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like it's I'm, like the end of uh, of Wizard of Oz. No, all Robin has to say then at that point is, "We need to talk." I'm pregnant. <laughs> By the way, so this is awkward. <laughs> By the way, the final shot should have been an extreme close up of Leonard doing. His eyebrow thing. That yep. would have oh, been exactly. End. Absolutely. Come on, absolutely. dude. How do you not That's do the that? That's it. And who needs this? Who needs this font at the end? And the adventure continues. Well, they needed Come to on. reassure audiences that there would be the more adventure. Star Trek movies. That's true. Oh, Alan Miller. That was the guy who played that weird alien. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, 
I have to say, we've ripped on this movie sufficiently. <laughs> you think? I, I just want to reiterate to everybody, we still like the fact this movie exists. Because if it didn't, Star Trek wouldn't have continued. That's and the fact, fact that they made this, and the fact that it is emotionally affecting, and they could have gone a number of different ways... I will say I'm very happy that this movie exists because it lets this world is a know. better place with Star Trek three in it. Yeah. And considering the, the, what they needed to do in this movie, like when I say need, I mean, they actually were required to do in this movie. I will say that it's heart mm. is in the right place. Yeah. Um, and that the, you know, the, the main cast, they're, it they're all mean game. to be evil. No, it's, <laughs> It's like it's a lot of people with training wheels on. And I think the the other good thing that comes out of it, regardless of kind of where we stick it on our list of, of movies, is uh, is Star Trek four in the sense that that all the particulars of that film, I think, helped to reset the notion of of, uh, of the viability of Star Trek as a franchise. Mm. Well, and it definitely teed Tom, up. Tom Sawyer was a dolly grip. Uh, but he, uh, uh, days he, he convinced all the other crew members <laughs> to do his work for him. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he got the most whitewashed the Genesis yeah, planet. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really, it really tees up the, the, their ability to go in another direction with Star Trek Four and do something, you know, you know, different, which and fresh, which is is interesting. Because I think what what one of the reasons we don't respond to this movie is because there's nothing new. It's a pastiche of things we've seen before, not done as well. Yeah, and and it's, uh, and it's not necessarily good ideas. No, I mean there's some great scenes. In well, it. It, it turns Star Trek from science fiction into science fantasy, right? And it, 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 the idea of resurrecting people from the dead via the Genesis device—I mean, that's all fine. I get why they did it. But it resonates now to this day, and it's diminished the Star Trek franchise. Yeah. Well, it's the I mean, idea of people not taking Star Trek seriously is a drama. They don't look at it as Star Trek as like it's a totally different thing, and they right. feel like certain the rules of drama don't necessarily apply. You can get away with a lot of shit. You can't no. get away in something else, and it's not true. And it it diminishes Star Trek. And it's, it's a friend Bill George there, additional space. Yeah, uh, Captain America George. was a mad artist. That's correct. Well, I, I mean, look, you know, I, what's so funny to me is that Star Trek taught me about storytelling as a small child. And what I didn't understand was an episode like Balance of Terror was a submarine World War II story. I didn't get that. Right. And yet this movie has no reality in it. There's no analogous reality to it at all, except the idea that. It's it it's a man who has lost his best friend to death. Right. I can't and believe yet, Michelle doesn't come back to that last scene. That's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, and and they should have given her a scene. Uh, it, it's <sighs> what could have been Star Trek as a franchise has never been valued by the people that control it. Yeah, it is never, and and that is the single biggest problem. With this franchise, it oh has look, she gets billing been. child Catherine Blum, but she was cut out of the movie. But she gets ah, billing, right. and there's oh, Gary Fager, look, everyone's Gary favorite prison guard, huh. <laughs> and Grace Whitney was in the cafeteria. That's correct. And she doesn't even get credit as as Yeoman Rand or now Captain Rand or First Officer Rand or whoever she is, because the people that did the credits didn't even know who she was. 
Oh, yeah. she's the uh, woman in cafeteria. Which is, you know what, the problem with this movie is this is the beginning of when the people that actually make Star Trek don't know what Star Trek actually is. No. And it has gone on since 1984 to today. 2020. Craig Hundley. Uh, misspelled. It's Craig Huxley, right? No, that's his original name. He changed his name oh. to Craig Huxley. Ah. Originally, he was Craig Hundley when he was a child actor and ah. uh, was in uh, And the Children Shall Lead. And the accident he had as a child. Hail, and, hail, and of fire course, and uh, uh, Operation Annihilate, where he was uh, yeah. Kirk's nephew. Yeah. Yep. Colored by Movie Lab. Thanks, Movie Lab. By the way, Thanks for all the red, Movie Lab. For all of James Horner's great music, it's just a riff on what he did in Star Trek II. No kidding. Well, well, it's just a riff on what he did in Battle Beyond the Stars. And then he does it again in Alien. And Humanoids from the Deep. But it would be nice to have a great new score. It's it's good music. He just used it too much. That's all. Look, I'm not going to sit here and criticize James Horner. I think he did a great job with these movies. Yeah, for sure. He did. He did. We're just saying. Now we leave uh, the Paramount Mountain with no regrets. (laughs) (laughs) well we have a few but uh this was um this was wonderful having the chance to talk about star trek 3 and i I think this was such a success that we'll have to return in uh, we'll have to return to this place again again is indeed life from lifelessness (laughs) we'll come back for star trek 4 in a few weeks uh uh to embark on our voyage home and uh but if you guys try and get me to do nemesis i gotta draw, draw the line there I don't think I can watch that movie again. You mean the line must be drawn there and no further? Indeed. <laughs> no, I, that's I, I the think wrong we, movie, Darren. Come on, yeah, now. It is. I He's know what being movie funny. it's from. <laughs> Free Enterprise. He doesn't need you to when he turned left when he should have turned right. <laughs> but uh, I think you know. I think every month or two we'll we'll drop a commentary on uh, one of the Star Trek movies and. Uh, Star Trek 4 is a good place. And then I, I think Star Trek 5 will be a delightful commentary. So you're saying we should pay more attention to the movies? I am yes. saying that. Yes. I am saying that. That's indeed. That's precisely mm. what he just said. And, and we can we can do the same thing. We can start on Inglorious Trexperts and then finish on the Trexperts briefing room. An entirely well, different podcast. But now it's the same podcast. Well, in a way, it is. And it is. So any last closing thoughts on the enduring legacy of Star Trek Three? I know Albert, that we're going Darren. to we're going to get a lot of uh, uh, dislike mail. I'm not going to say hate mail because true Star Trek fans don't hate. They just disagree. Don't give in to hate. Um, but uh, look, hopefully you could tell from this that we we put a, a fine laser like uh analysis on this because we love the idea of star trek 3 we we enjoy the film but we wish it were better that's all we just desperately want it to work and fandom fandom cannot be blind well i mean here's the thing we love all of star trek just like mark and i you and i we love the james bond franchise and not all of star trek is great And the fact is, we love Star Trek, but we can still gaze knowingly, bring our critical acumen upon things that perhaps aren't so good. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we don't love. That just means that we're applying our analysis or our cogent 
observations to whatever. Or observations. Or, or <laughs> observations. And the thing is, the, the funny thing is that, look, here's the secret. We do love Star Trek Three because we get to see Kirk, Spock, Scotty, Chekhov, Uhura, yeah. Sulu in, 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 in action again. We yeah. love that. We just want their movies to be the best movies we've ever seen. And unfortunately, based on money and various other things, we, we don't get that. So we're, we're critical of what we get. Yeah. Yeah. Only Too because. much of anything, even love, <laughs> is a good thing. Is a bad thing. <laughs> uh, look, I just wanted from this movie to feel the way I felt at the end of Star Trek Two, and I don't. By that, I don't mean just the sads of like of right. Spock dying. I mean mm. walking out of Star Trek Two feeling as though I had just seen Star Trek in a different way. That I had just seen it in a way that felt very real and present to me and just excited me and made me wonder, you know, what else was out there? Like what it all meant. And with Star Trek three, there's, there's not that feeling. I I feel like Star Trek three, ultimately in spite of its good intentions, in spite of like some scenes we find very enjoyable is a checklist movie. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it is a lot of housekeeping. (laughs) <laughs> gets us to four and you don't walk out of the movie feeling that way um even like you know i, I, I can't i gotta say like even when i was a kid like i was i was disappointed in this movie it didn't just yeah. it didn't click for me me too and i i i think about this i feel that star trek three was a moment in time a watershed moment where people stopped taking star trek seriously mm-hmm. star trek the wrath of khan people took seriously when it came out people like yep. oh star trek was it and then suddenly like oh my god you killed spock you it killed was beautifully spock done and you took it seriously you took it seriously and we felt that loss yes and you not only just, did we you can't just flip the reset button that's right. not just us it was it was the entirety of of the pop culture landscape and i think star trek three diminished the Star Trek franchise and totally we are agree. feeling it. We are feeling thing. it now in 2022 more than ever before totally because agree. all anybody thinks about is that Star Trek is goofy. Well, that's Star Trek the- is funny and Star Trek is something you don't have to take. It, it Star Trek, Star Trek is a genre with its own tropes now. Yeah. Let's have a different fascistic society because time was changed. Well, let's let's not go totally like I mean, no, look, I completely agree with you, but it's like yeah, but it's like but, but it's, it's, the, it's right. the modern whatever is the whatever. I mean, for me, like the 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 fundamental difference between Star Trek three and Star Trek two is that Nicholas Meyer knew what movie he was making. He had full command of the tone. Um, he fully understood what he needed from his actors, what he needed from his scenes, what he thought worked and what he thought didn't work and what he thought his taste was. And I don't think that Nimoy has zero control over the tone of this film. It is yeah. all over the place and it yep. doesn't match the tone of Star Trek Two. almost nowhere, only very rarely. And I don't think he knows what he wants. Yeah, but you That's know what he else? gets down to the details. 
you know what else? Nick Meyer was making The Enemy Below. He was making Run Silent, Run Deep. Yep. He was making Horatio Hornblower. Yeah. And he was making Moby Dick. Yep. Leonard Nimoy was making a Star Trek movie. Yes. Correct. That's the difference. But now I, I, I have to say that Roddenberry, say what you want about the first two seasons of Next Generation. Roddenberry reclaimed Star Trek. And That's you true. might not love the first seasons of TNG, but there's moments of amazement in those scenes. I mean, Rob, I want to stop you there because you have just brought up, I think, the perfect topic for another podcast, which is, you know, we just told people why Star Trek 3 isn't good. I think we need to go and excavate season one and two and talk about, if not redeem its reputation, because obviously that would be difficult, but talk about what was so important about Star Trek season one and two and, and, and what it did right and, yep. and, and, and how it rebuilt the fundamentals of Star Trek and, and built a foundation, which, you know, obviously the show could grow from. Um, well, it gave us the know, Ray Allen shades I mean, of gray. I mean, uh, no, hang on. <laughs> uh, the, good, the big goodbye. One one zero zero one zero zero one. This is a whole nother conversation, yeah. and I don't want to start this up now on an entirely different podcast because right. this is this is a conversation for Inglorious Tricksburst that we should have when real soon. <laughs> when, where are we going? <laughs> I, I, I just want to make I, I just want to make the point that Star Trek Two was something where Nicholas Meyer went back and looked at original Star Trek. And now we're at a period of time in 1984 where the beginning of what Star Trek wasn't took hold. Yeah. And I, I honestly believe, I honestly believe that now we live in a world where all of Star Trek is seen as something that is not Star um, Trek. It's not, yeah, it's not unto itself. Everyone currently working or has been working on Star Trek for almost a decade and a half thinks of Star Trek as a wacky it's something that's sold in a hot topic store that there isn't real storytelling to be had let's change it let's let's take Star Trek and move it or make it or mold it into something that is what we recognize these are all and, these are all great points rob but they belong on the Trexperts show it began with Star Trek 3. It began with Star Trek 3. Agreed. It was yeah. the demise of Star Trek. That's interesting. That's an interesting thing to, to end with. Was Star Trek 3 the, the end of Star Trek or the or the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end? I don't know. We'll have Let's to talk about we'll that. We'll figure it out together. Yeah. So oh, later. Oh, we want to thank you all for joining us here on the Trek Sports Briefing, an entirely different podcast, and especially uh, Rob Burnett and Ashley Miller for bringing their insights and their thoughts and their hopes and their dreams for uh, Star Trek. And of course, we'll hopes. be back with an all new episode of Inglorious Trek Sports every Friday and Trek Sports Briefing Room every Saturday with special guests, hosts, Peter and Lisa. And if you're really lucky, Darren and I may even drop in to take command. <laughs> so you don't know until you until you listen. 
and then you find out. But uh, Peter and Lisa have been doing a fabulous job, and they've been diving into a lot of different Star Trek shows, and it's a great listen. So I hope you'll stick it out with us here on the Trek Sports Briefing Room for some really great guests and some really great insights into um, Star Trek episodes from across the Star Trek universe. And uh, until next week, on behalf of Robert Burnett, Ashley Miller, the great Darren Doctorman, and myself, Mark Altman, The briefing room is now closed. Mr. Scott, what do you repeat what you just told us? About an hour ago, bridge control started going crazy. Levers shifting by themselves, buttons being pushed, instrument readings changing. And on my monitor screen, I can see Mitchell smiling each time it happened. As if his ship and crew were almost a toy for his amusement. This show was produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.